raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. All righty, it's a Thursday. Thank you for uh, waking up with us here on the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. He's Kevin Bowen. I'm Andy Sweeney. Mark Dyked in producing today's effort, as always. Broadcasting live from the DriveHubler.com studios. A busy, busy show today. Chris Ballard speaks. We have a lot of sound. What did Chris Ballard say about his head coach? What did he say about Anthony Richardson, the playoffs, and much more? We'll dive into that. Thad Mata going to join us. 8 o'clock is going to be a lot of basketball. Mike DeCourcy in the 8 o'clock hour. Thad Mata at about 8.30. Fellas, a good morning. Good to good to meet everyone last night. There's significant others. We were all out uh, at GameBridge for the Adam Sandler deal. That was a lot of fun and a very good morning. An early morning, a late night and an early morning for the boys here on the fan. Alright, so when Sandler walked out last night, and again, shout out to Eddie White from the Pacers yes. for the invite. Thank you to Eddie. We all were fortunate to be over there last night. It was a packed house inside of Gambridge. I saw Adam Sandler got some shots up yesterday. Oh, did he? In the Pacers practice facility. Nice. Don't know if he's a sniper from the corner, maybe a lockdown defender. I'm going to guess kind of a, a gunner. I think he'd probably play well with his Pacers Maybe team. he's a contributor. Maybe that's what he is. TJ McConnell distributor <laughs> off the bench. Uh, what movie did you think of when Sandler's voice first hit the microphone? Like, as soon as you hear that voice, one movie popped into my head. Okay, uh, let me guess. Uh, Waterboy. Mark? I'm going to say Big Daddy. Big Daddy. <laughs> Maddie and I look at each other and go, really? should we watch Big Daddy when we get home tonight? I like that. Big Daddy's a good movie. Just something about his voice. I, I You could probably say that for every sort of entertainer, um, just particularly in the comedic world, I guess. Uh, but boy, that was fun last night. He was- uh, He's good, isn't he? He was great. Yeah. 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 Nice surprises. Kevin James showed up out of the blue. And I Rock thought of Knight Mark. When Kevin James was yeah. there, I thought of Mark dressing Halloween's up. Co- uh, yeah, I, I thought of the flannel that uh, that Mark had from Halloween. That's exactly what I thought. It was a great show. It was very fun. We had a good time. And then my daughter threw up on our bed. <laughs> Back to reality. Yeah. Picked him up from the babysitter. Hey, Dad. Hope you had fun. And it's like, all right, a little later bedtime than usual. Oh, I was finally turning. She's like, Dad, can, I, can we lay by you for a second? I'm like, okay, come up here. I'm like, what was that? Nothing. And before she got the word nothing out all over the bed. This is why we can't have nice things. I'm like, well, that was. You can't yeah, get mad at her, can reality. you? I you can't get mad at her at all. Vomit on the bed. Boy, that's good. So no, Mark got to bed at 1 a.m. of like, you know, this is why we don't go out. Yeah. You know, this is why we don't try and have a Wednesday night where like, yeah, you get home at whatever, 11 o'clock and it's a little late. And it's like, man, tonight would be a really nice night for all the kids to band together and say, <laughs> let's sleep in a little mm-hmm. bit here. Not at the Dyketon household. No, last night. mommy no. and daddy. The- mommy and daddy were out late last night. We're the we're supposed to be the ones with uh, rumbling guts uh, because of alcohol. Come yeah, on, exactly, what? Right. Yeah, what are we doing right. here? You're not supposed to vomit. You're seven oh, years old. Mark, I'm sorry. <laughs> Puke on the bed, and yeah, I looked at the oh. clock. It was like one in the morning by the fine, by the time I turned in. I'm like, I think the alarm. Like even though you cleaned it up, later. you basically slept in puke last night. Yeah, I hate pretty it. Much. And you know it, and I know it, and, and Chris Ballard knows it. That's okay. and everybody else knows it. I've done worse. I've had three daughters. You get used to all that stuff. 
these days. It's like, like a, it's like a living jackass. Oh, it's fantastic. Well, it's good to meet everyone's yeah, lives and everything else. And uh, Jimmy Cook brought his entire family with him. Uh, so, so Jimmy Cook met, in the house, Eddie so Garrison met, in the house. Met all them. I did love Eddie Garrison. I was like, yeah, you'll see Eddie White. Just go where he's at. I'm like, you know, I'm I've been here for like two and a half months. Like, you know, you know, I don't know uh, what Eddie White looks like. But thank you to him and thank you for the Pacers. Uh, good time last night. And then today we're busy. We're gonna do a lot of football here in our number one. Uh, Chris Ballard on what Colts.com. Chris Ballard having a conversation, about a 20 minute interview or so. Uh, as we're halfway through bye week and everything else, so I think a couple things we can talk about. Talked about playoffs. Talked about his head coach Shane Steichen, Anthony Richardson uh, coming back to the team. The future there. Anytime the general manager talks about the fourth overall pick, and obviously all the drama and all the excitement uh, early on in the season around Anthony Richardson, we can dive into that. And then in the eight o'clock hour, we have tons of of college basketball. Mike DeCourcy from the Sporting News and the Big Ten Network. He'll join us coming up at the top of the eight o'clock hour. And then Thad Mata will join us coming up at eight thirty. His team three and zero KB, uh, but it gets a lot more difficult starting Friday with Michigan State. Yeah, Breslin Center for Thad Mata's bunch. Uh, really nice start to the season. Uh, obviously, the step up in competition and a reeling Michigan State team that they will get part of that Gavit Games. Robbie Hummel will be on the call for Butler coming up tomorrow night. And I, is tonight sneaky at all in Bloomington? I, I don't. Well, I I feel like when when we when you grow up in a basketball centric state like Indiana. You know the mid-major schools in the Midwest, and I know that I, I'm starting off with a very nerdy comment, so my hand is fully raised here with this, Andy. But like, I see Wright State on the schedule, and that sticks out to me more than Notre Dame losing to Western Carolina, or you know Houston Baptist, or you know insert your random mid-major from you know where did Mike Davis coach, and they he'd go on the road a million games in a row. Texas State was it? Was it Texas? State Southern, it was something, yeah. So when I see Wright State, I'm like, wait a minute. Wright State, like, used to beat Butler on occasion back when Brad Stevens was the coach. I'm like, you know, I feel like uh, Scott Nagy, their head coach, has, like, been there for a little bit. Uh, And if you look at the Vegas lines, uh, Wright State is a nine and a half point underdog tonight in Bloomington. Typically, when you schedule these non power five home games, you don't think that they're going to be nine and a half point underdogs in your own building so I am uh, I, I'm a little more interested in this one tonight in Bloomington than I feel like I typically would be for again uh, these non-power five non-conference home games uh, Wright State 0-2 Wright State 167 in the Ken Palm and it's so interesting that you brought that up 57 minutes ago and I wrote this down really and I wrote really next to it with a question mark John Rothstein does Indiana face a potential trap game tonight in Bloomington against Wright State before heading to New York City for the Empire Classic? The Raiders are 0-2, but have a star in Trey Calvin, 27 and a yeah, half points per game, the and another uh, a proven piece in Tanner Holden. So there you go. The answer, no. <laughs> I don't think it's a trap game. If we're calling it out as a trap game hours before, I don't think it's a trap game. Plus, Indiana's kind of... Well, have been stinky for half their time, I don't haven't think they? Indiana's been good enough this year to have Exa- a trap game. Exactly. But nonetheless, that will be tonight, seven o'clock. Now I will say this, you know, 
in your previous market, Andy, you got a lot more of this, you know, the Louisville, Kentucky venom. I don't think the Purdue, Indiana venom is at that level, uh, but certainly you have poking of fun in that. I am in a group text with some friends. There are IU fans okay. in the group text. There are Purdue fans okay. in the group Are text. you the only Notre Dame fan? Uh, I am the only Notre Dame basketball okay. fan in the 317 area code outside of Ryan Bowen. By okay. the way, shout out to my mother. Happy birthday to her. Oh my God. Yes. Why are we talking about Mark's uh, daughter puking yeah. on the bed? Screw Mark's daughter puking on the bed. Get that out of here. Colleen Bowen. <laughs> well, my, good. She is, by the way, a Ball State product. That might show up on the pop quiz. I was okay. scrambling for pop quiz questions. I thought a happy birthday mom on the pop quiz with what college she went to That's might work good out. good son. You're being a good son today on this so, Thursday. The IU fan sends this text oh boy. in the group uh, chat last night. Heard there is a viewing party at Mackey for this game. What do you think the game was that he was referring to last night? (laughs) So he sends a box score, screenshot of the box score between two college basketball teams last night and goes, heard there's a viewing party at Mackey for this game. Oh my goodness, I have no idea. Last night was like the deadest, was a deadest sports night you could have. Last night you had St. Peter's against Fairleigh Dickinson. Oh, did you really? My God, what a game. Now, is that low-hanging fruit we for should, IU Nation? I mean, it, it is. I, I have no problem with that. But Now, would Purdue fans counter and say, show me your NCAA well, tournament resume show over me, the last Show me anything over the years. last two decades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that would be it. We should have played that game. Fairleigh Dickinson won 71-70. It was a great game. What a barn burner. Why did we not? What did we have last night on the fan? There were no Pacers. There was uh, there were no Colts, right? There was no football on. We should have played that game. Don't know if the St. Purdue, Peter's Fairly Dickinson. Don't know if the Purdue contingent would have loved. Seventy-one seventy. Look that. at that. Uh, as Andy said, Chris Ballard with a bi-week meeting with the folks over at Colts.com, JJ Stankovitz and Lara Overton earlier this week. First time we've heard from Ballard in season. That that's pretty typical for him. Um, I think early on in his tenure, he did make some yeah, quarterly appearances, if you will, on their uh, Monday night radio show that you hear on these airwaves, but he hasn't typically done that in years past. Um, I got a full article up on 1075thefan.com recapping it. We'll play a few of the clips. It is the first time, Andy, we've heard him talk about the Jonathan Taylor contract sure. extension. Uh, several questions, Anthony Richardson related. Um, he threw out a T.Y. Hilton. Uh, comp and talking about Josh Downs and it, it actually had me kind of nodding my head at it. We'll explain that a little bit more here in a bit. Um, so kind of a state of the union, if you will, from Ballard. I mean, certainly you're not going to get a Shaq Leonard question. You, you, you're not going to get a Grover Stewart uh, question there. Uh, I don't know if Gardner Minshew's name was mentioned in the 20 minutes, but nonetheless, it's still with stuff that we have not heard from him uh, on a variety of topics there. So we'll play some of that audio coming up as week 11 is here, and that means the Colts are on a bye week uh, tonight, Thursday night football, Bengals and Ravens. You know, I hate saying this, and I know that it you have probably said this on the air. You probably have, uh, have penned articles like this, but we love this damn thing called the NFL, and it's already week 11. KB, it's already week eleven. Blink your eyes, and it's, I, I mean, oh, no. yeah, it is yeah. crazy. Now, I mean, now, me, that makes you sad. Me, me and Mark, well, of course, it makes me sad. Right. You better believe it makes me sad. Now, me and Mark, obviously, well, I, I would think are you sitting would around want the season to be over. Well, with. It, it's it's feeling like a much longer season for some of us. Uh, Mark and I fit that mold, but still, you blink, and it's week eleven. You got like two, three weeks before fantasy football playoffs start, right? Uh, as we go today, you mentioned the Ballard sound. Ballard did talk. Anthony 
Anthony Richardson. And a few things that I want to get to at 730. He talked about Anthony Richardson, and he's like, well, we know what you know, we, we kind of need to do to build around him. I'm interested in what we think, obviously, the wide receiver position. We talked with Dane Bru- uh, Brugler yesterday, NFL draft guy for the Athletics. So I want to dive into that as well. And then you mentioned something, and I think you used the Giants. I think you perhaps even, Kevin, used the Jets. Uh, perhaps even the Minnesota Vikings have fit this mold. But a question for the Colts, if they win seven or eight games and then listening to to Chris Ballard yesterday. Uh, I have a question for Colts fans about accomplishments and what I think some of these narratives are going to be. And then I looked also this morning, Pro Football Talk kind of had the the ranking of the schedules the rest of the way. And obviously, you can just do an eye test and you know the Colts don't have a difficult schedule this year. That has been one of the reasons you were bullish on them, you know, hitting the over, winning maybe seven games, you know, and you're looking at it now, and they could you know, easily win two, three more games, seven or eight games this season. Who around them in the AFC, whether it be the Chargers, the Jets, the Browns, Bengals, Bills, etc., where do their schedules rank? What do their schedules look like? Because that's where the Colts are right now at 5-5. Five and five. And if you're a Colts fan, you can sit back and chill this week and see you know, in front of you how the AFC would look. And, you know, it starts tonight. If you're an Indianapolis Colts fan, maybe Make no mistake about it. You want the Bengals to lose tonight, don't you? You want the Ravens to win. The Ravens have been the class of that. Uh, of that di- uh, for me, they've been the class of that division. See, I, I counter, feel like they're the better team. I would counter and say, don't you want the Browns to win that division because you don't have the head-to-head with them? You have the head-to-head with the Ravens. Don't you want the Ravens in the wild card picture? I guess you could. I guess you could look at I it that way. I know the likelihood I, is much more likely of your scenario: the Ravens winning the division than the Browns. But to me, I think you want the teams that you have the tiebreakers over in the wild card mix, i.e. the Ravens versus the Browns. You don't have that tiebreaker, so let them win the division. Yeah, we'll talk about this because I, I'm the other way. I, I am. Bengals lose tonight. They go to 5-5. Five and five. You can move up past the Bengals. And I'm almost like, not that they would be out of the way, but I'm like giving you, hey, the Ravens are better. So right? Like want the Ravens yeah, to win out and I, beat up on that, all the rest that's, of the AFC that's, North that's, that's how I feel. I'm like, someone, way to look at someone's it going to win. Have them be a more elite team, even though I know you beat them. And that's still going to be, you know, people are going to look back and say, how did that happen earlier in the season? But that's how I view it. You know, whether it be the Bengals or Bills or Raiders, uh, some of these teams. I haven't figured out what I think about the Browns and Steelers, Deshaun Watson going out. Uh, There are some numbers how that changed the AFC North we can dive into, but uh, Ballard, and then obviously in the 8 o'clock hour, a ton of college basketball. Uh, We do pour one out here on this Thursday morning. Mark, do you mind playing the audio, please? Mm -hmm. Well... It was uh, it was fun while it lasted. <laughs> yep, that was Rick Carlisle last night on the Daniel Tice era. <laughs> oh damn! <laughs> Not Rick Carlisle on the Daniel Tice era. That was Rick Carlisle oh, on man. the Tristan Thompson era. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. From uh, uh, la- was that last spring? I'm trying to forget. Even or was that two years ago? I was about to say when was Tristan Thompson here? That because that's that's sports radio fun. Oh, I know, and it was. I mean, was, it was like for a week or. I something. had to deadbolt was... the house to make sure that you know Tristan Thompson was not trying to you know whatever <laughs> I, you know, neighborhood watch guard your women. That's what the neighborhood oh, homeowners association was saying there. Uh, Daniel Tice era is over. To the Clippers, Daniel uh, a Tice buyout yesterday. So, can chat about that, and I, I guess if you do look at this in season tournament, 
uh, all of a sudden the Pacers Tuesday night their next in season game uh, if they beat Atlanta they uh, they punch their ticket to the knockout round the final eight and I know a lot of people kind of joke about that stuff honestly you listen to Tyrese Halliburton yeah, but they care that dude wants yeah. to be in it he wants yeah. to be on national television good for them that is a motivational factor so uh, nothing for the Pacers till Sunday with the Magic but Tuesday in Atlanta uh, that would be a big one from an in-season tournament standpoint. That, that uh, Tristan Thompson trade, by the way, was part of the obviously Halliburton and Heald deal that brought him over here. So it's February 8th, 2022. On February 16th, Thompson recorded a season-high 17 points along with six, six, re- six rebounds and a block and went over the Washington Wizards. On February 17th, after playing four games, the Pacers reached a mutual contract buyout agreement with Thompson. I mean, to be fair, there are many more highlights on the Tristan Thompson Pacers tribute video than there would be on the Daniel Tice oh, for sure. Pacers tribute yep. video. Uh, so open roster spot for the Pacers. We'll chat about that as well. It is a beautiful Thursday morning here in Indianapolis. We've got a little cotton candy sky right now above the Riley Towers. Some Chris Bauer audio will play in a few. Thank you for spending this morning with us. It is the Wake Up Call. KB and Andy, 93.5107.5, The Fan. The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. All right, we'll get to Daniel Tice and the buyout there. He's probably going to the Clippers here in a second. But we mentioned here on the morning check down, it is week 11 in the NFL, and it starts tonight on Amazon. And finally, finally, Al Michaels gets a pretty good game. The Ravens hosting the Bengals. Ravens favored by three and a half. By the way, the over-under in this one, guys, 45 and a half. Both teams coming off a tough loss. Lamar Jackson, it's a big game. Every game for us is a must-win must for us, you know, um, not just because it's in a division game, um, but we, we definitely, I, I believe our team is definitely a lot hungrier just from what happened Sunday in a division loss in a close game. We definitely hungry as well. Get AFC Northwise, you'll get all four teams playing each other here this week. Like uh, Andy said, tonight it'll be Bengals and Ravens, so you get Browns and Steelers, and it's going to be... One. Uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson. I always forget what order it goes. Is it Dorian Thompson Robinson? Uh, I believe so. Let me confirm that. Yes, the, the former UCLA <laughs> yeah. product. Uh, not Dorian PJ Thompson. Walker. Yeah, it's Dorian Thompson Robinson. Now, someone brought up an interesting point yesterday. I guess uh, Kellen Mond on the Colts practice squad, QB3 ever since Anthony Richardson was done for the year. He was actually with the Browns in the preseason. So, you know, do we see the Browns trying to bring Kellen Mond back with familiarity with their system as they try to deal with, again, life without Deshaun Watson here the rest of the year? But uh, Week 11, pretty good slate. The marquee matchup, certainly the Super Bowl rematch coming up. Chiefs and Eagles Monday night football. All right, tonight in Assembly Hall, it's going to be IU and it's going to be Wright State. Wright State picked to finish third in the Horizon League. We've already seen the Horizon League with some early season upsets. The Raiders of Wright State, nine and a half point underdog. Their little guard, Trey Colvin, preseason player of the year. They did lose Tuesday night to Toledo at home. Um, so it's a little bit of a quicker turnaround here for Wright State. Um, again, for Indiana, uh, 2-0 in the year, have not played good basketball, certainly. Uh, and they will have this being kind of the final mid-major game until they get into uh, UConn on Sunday and then either Texas or Louisville on Monday. Uh, For Purdue, their attention now shifts to the Maui tournament, which will be in Honolulu this year. If you missed it, Matt Painter, as always, great on JMV yesterday. You can find that on the JMV podcast. (laughs) 
Yeah, quickly in the NBA, Daniel Tice, uh, the buyout there. We don't know exactly what that number is. I, I've seen Woj kind of they kind of throw out numbers that it might be. We'll find out exactly what that financial oh, I number it opened up like seven and a yeah, half seven, mil. For yeah, the yeah, something like that. So that might end up being the number. So Daniel Tice uh, eventually going to be signing that I, I don't, by the minimum way, I, with the clip. I don't want to see a panic on the roster move. Like if you're the Pacers right now, I don't think you just throw out a guaranteed contract for the rest of the year for somebody else. I, I think you're you in a wait. decent health right. position right now just wait like yeah last night or two nights ago did you probably need Daniel Tice against the Sixers sure but Andy that's not an every night thing like (laughs) you don't face Joel Embiid every night in the Eastern Conference I say you wait as long as you can maybe the trade deadline rolls around and maybe it's like a two-for-one trade so that extra roster spot you can absorb something there so I will be curious to see how the Pacers handle that you mentioned Joel Embiid uh, the Sixers losers again last night Celtics walk into Philly get a 117-107 win I don't know if you saw the late three by Jason Tatum he blew the kiss to the, to the, mm-hmm. to the Philly fan which we always love just a couple of Eastern Conference scores Knicks over Hawks Bucks over Raptors Magic who will be in here in Cambridge coming up on Sunday. Magic over Bulls last night, so a busy night last night in the NBA. Good news for Trey Jackson Davis that Draymond Green suspended five games. Yeah, and by the way, that's the right thing that he got suspended five games. The more I watch that and listen to the commentary, he deserved a five-game suspension. Oh, for sure. And they they could have even been harsher on him, and I would have been okay with it. I mean, he's a repeated... He's a repeat offender. Yeah, and at this point. Oh, yeah. sure he is. Um, so, yeah, I thought five games, to me, just seemed kind of obvious on that one. All right, on the other side, again, Chris Ballard, he met with uh, Colts.com, kind of a bi-week check-in, State of the Union, if you will, in the 5-5 five and five Colts, covered a variety of topics. We'll play some of that audio on the other side. I'm Kevin Bowen. He's Andy Sweeney. Mark Dykton with us. You are listening to The Wake Up Call, KB and Andy. All right, we're going to get to some... Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you. Ballard sound here in just a second. Reminder, basketball hour coming up at 8 o'clock. Fad Mata at 8.30. We'll talk with Mike DeCourcy, college basketball insider, coming up at the top of the hour. He was, of course, there at the Champions Classic. We'll get his thoughts on that. Some early season hoops. Indiana in action tonight. Purdue going to Maui. Lots to talk about here uh, in the Hoosier State, if you will. I wanted to ask you this. We were talking about it during the checkdown, and I had it on my sheet of, uh, of items to bring up into action. 
ask you guys, um, you know, Deshaun Watson gets injured, and, and obviously Deshaun Watson has been a mess this season. He's been a mess, and that contract is a terrible contract. Uh, they got three years to live with that contract with over $200 million of dead money the last, you know, the next three years if they were to move on from him. But KB, I was going to ask you this, you know, if you remember back in the preseason, the Cleveland Browns traded Josh Dobbs to the Arizona Cardinals, right? Uh, when the Arizona Cardinals, they were not going to have Kyler Murray. And, you know, everyone's talking about them being at the very top of the draft and everything else. But they go and they get Josh Dobbs. And so now, you know, the Browns are are being beat up. I mean, it's going to be P.J. Walker. It's going to be uh, your boy there, Dorian Thompson, Robinson, whatever the hell. I mean, we talked about that. Uh, Dorian Witness Thompson, protection. Robinson. Witness protection. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I That's mean, basically and, and so, you know, do you blame them for, for getting rid of Josh Dobbs? They're being clowned for getting rid of Josh Dobbs. That's yeah. what's happening to the Cleveland Browns. And I kind of want to join in on that, but I but I also am like, hey, this, yeah, is, it's this, hard is, to. this is a backup. They got something back for him. And let's also not remember, I mean, Dobbs was good for a couple games in Arizona, and then it was like, okay, the NFL's figured you out pretty quick. Yeah, you know, it's a whole third quarterback debate. You know, would fans have ripped Chris Ballard for cutting Sam Ellinger? back in late August? Probably not. No. And so... We would have cared. Yeah. For the most part. It would have been like a notable thing to mention because it is a quarterback. It's Ellinger. He started a game, but no one would have just... That that would not have been talk radio for a week. I think hindsight can be really 2020 on it. It is probably why I think in this day and age, particularly when you have a quarterback like Watson, who, yeah, I mean, he can, you know... When Watson is healthy or when he was in Houston, he can make plenty of plays from the pocket, but he certainly can extend, and there's a risk of injury there with him, uh, more so than other quarterbacks. It's probably smart just at all costs to keep the third quarterback and not worry about it. You know, you just kind of sacrifice like, the all right, that guy might sit and he might play as much as Daniel Tice, but you know what? That position means so much. We will happily accept that. Um, If there's any lesson from that, that's probably where I would go with it. Now, I I don't know if it's worth pointing out, but uh, Deshaun Watson, the same doctor that performed the surgery on Anthony Richardson, will be performing the surgery on Deshaun Watson. Uh, for Anthony Richardson and the Colts' sake, hopefully the rehab mechanisms, <laughs> Anthony maybe doesn't follow what Deshaun has followed in his past. Yes, I would imagine that would be the case. I know by, that's fair to by, say or not. But. By the way, Watson's season... Wow! <laughs> season-ending injury. Here's how it changed the AFC North. And again, this stuff matters if the Colts can win some games starting with Tampa next weekend. The Ravens go from a 49.2% chance to a 56.1% chance to win the North. The Browns with Deshaun going down go to 28% to 16%. The Steelers go 15.6% up to 19 And the Bengals 64 to 8.7%. So uh, yeah, that's from ESPN Analytics from whatever that means. I don't know if the you know the number nerds care about such things uh, or not. All right, so Chris Ballard yesterday did about a, what, a 20-minute interview or so uh, with Colts.com. Uh, some things talked about, some things not talked about. Obviously, Anthony Richardson, a big part of that. Shane Steichen, his thoughts on his head coach, a big part of that. Jonathan Taylor, the first time Ballard has spoken publicly since Jonathan Taylor got the contract and has been playing here uh, in Indy. Josh Downs, a lot that they talked about. Uh, let's start here. Clip four. Uh, this is Chris Ballard uh, on the season and really more the final seven games here. What the Colts have left in front of them. Look, I've always thought that the season really starts at Thanksgiving. <laughs> Look, you don't want to play yourself out of it. That's for sure. But 
the season starts. This last seven-game stretch, you know, usually determines, you know, who's going to get in. You know, you always see it each and every year. Somebody go from the back of the pack and, you know, get playing good football. But the one thing I think we got to stay focused on is is – Tampa, you know that's it. Um, there's no looking forward. There's no like we're we're not there to where we can just you know roll the ball out and and say we're going to get a victory. So we got to worry about Tampa. Um, it's it's we put ourselves in position to 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 do some really good things, but you know none of it means anything if we don't get the next win. And so I, I think he's right. I mean, they have put themselves in position where they can be playing games here in mid to late uh, November and into December. But, you know, they do need to beat Tampa Bay. If they don't, they go under 500. And obviously, what a road game at Tennessee. And we can talk about the rest of their schedule. You know, the question I have for you, and then I want to dive into some of this Anthony Richardson conversation as well, KB. The question I have for you, and we've talked about this, and I think we've talked about it with a couple different teams, and I don't know how Colts fans feel about this going forward, mostly because we didn't think they were going to win five. You know, there are a lot of people that didn't think they were going to win five games the entire season. I was one that picked them to win only five games. So if they ended up now with five games only, you know, at the end of the season, that would be a huge disappointment. We look here at the back end of November and December and say, wow, the Colts really fell apart. Wow, people really figured out, uh, you know, Gardner Minshew and Shane Steichen, and wow, what happened to the defense and everything else? The question I have for you, you know, the Giants fit into this mold last year. I mean, there's always teams, I don't really think the Bengals fit into this mold. They've had injuries, perhaps, you know, if they finish this season poorly and then next season, but they're like, there are a lot, maybe the Browns fit this mold, uh, you know, their, their defense is going to be respected, that there are teams that are going to make it, and even if if they fail, like a team like the Bengals, I don't think will say, well, this was all a fluke, right? They'll look and say, we have a quarterback, we have a coach, we have weapons, uh, we had bad luck this season, uh, we didn't play well, Burrow was injured at the beginning of the first month of the season, we kind of got behind the eight ball. If the Colts win seven or eight games this year, it is going to be very easy for me, for fans, for you, for Mark Dykton uh, to say, well, I mean, listen, you you won eight games and... I mean, you, you you didn't have Anthony Richardson all year. You won eight games, and you didn't have Grover Stewart for six games. You won eight games, and you had injury at the corner position, or you were extremely young here. You had a first-year head coach, and you can start to build the mantra in the offseason that, that, that you know the coach will know more. He'll be a second-year coach, and you'll bring in more talent, and you'll love the draft class. We talked with Dane Brugler yesterday about some of the guys that could be taken in April by the Colts and, and and I and I just wonder if they win like eight games and maybe seven fits this mold do you think the converse which conversation is more real KB is it that the, the, yes they are a young team that is a year away a young team that is on the precipice if you will of doing something in this league of the Colts getting back to where they were or getting closer obviously to where they were with Manning in some of those years with Andrew Luck or will it be a false sense of security 
for this football team, much like, and I used the Giants last year, the Giants had a false sense of security that they had a good team. And they went out and they signed guys, including their quarterback, and it did not work out. And they didn't have a good team, and they didn't have a good roster, and they won 50-50 games, and they had an easy schedule, and all these different things. And I'm trying to figure that out because in the next seven games is going to matter on how we talk about this team next year. If they stink it up the next seven games, we're going to feel like they had an okay front part of the season, but they're not close, right? I I think that's fair. We'll say, well, you know, uh, know, it's it's still going to take some time. But if they finish with like eight wins and they're playing games that matter here down the stretch and maybe they win even more, uh, there's going to be, you know, you could look at it and say, wow, you know, this team has a lot. This team is going to be on the precipice of doing something. And that's what the next seven games, I think, are going to tell us for the offseason. How do you think you feel about that right now? Yeah, I don't know if I'm as concrete, to be honest with you, um, as you are in terms of viewing the final seven, eight games. I, I just, I think there is still such an. I just think there's still such an unknown of watching Anthony Richardson play quarterback for 17 games, good and bad. Um, obviously, does he play 17 games? And like, I guess I'm going back to the Richardson conversation, which we really haven't had for over a month now. I mean, Andy, he played two quarters on the road all season. Two. And not even two. What was it? I mean, left early in the Houston game. Uh, I guess he didn't even complete a full half. Like, can you imagine if it had gone bad for Anthony Richardson? And, like, you know, the the conversation would be like, oh, well, he just needs more time. But because it went well, it's like, oh, he's great. Mm -hmm. He's great. I mean, the, the guy's a star. The guy's a stud. So, I think we want such black and white answers. We want it to be locked in stone. Oh my gosh, they just won seven games. They won eight games. You know, Richardson's going to come in and they're going to win 12 next year. And I don't know if it's that easy. Um, well, it's not that easy. Because if you look and the early schedule is out, I mean, there, there's still a few games that um, have to be decided for your 2024 schedule. The schedule's much, much tougher. I mean, you, next year you have home games against Miami, against Buffalo, against Detroit. All three of those would probably qualify as your toughest home game. Obviously, Jacksonville would be on it. They, those all would fall probably as your toughest home game this season based off how you know easy and, and manageable your schedule has been and will continue to be the rest of the year. So, um, again, I probably get a little bit away from overall team success and point more towards individuals. Like the fact that Bernard Ryman has, in my opinion, had a really solid second season – that to me is a very encouraging sign for next year. Does Quiddy Pay have a flurry to end the year? Does he change a little bit of the first half? So far, I don't think I feel very confident about him moving forward as a double digit sat guy, pencil him in for that. If that changes, then I probably look at 2024 differently. If it continues to go down this path, I still am pumping the brakes a little bit on, you know, whatever, defining this team as definite. You know, uh, playoff contender, however you want to describe it. So, again, I'm probably a little bit more on the individual basis down the stretch, surrounded by the team's success. And, and, and I get it. You are five and five in the standings. And obviously, um, you know, a lot of people want to see this team make that playoff push and et cetera, et cetera. And sure, that factors into it. But again, I'm a little bit more of what do the building blocks look like around Richardson and how does that impact uh, the future of this but team moving forward? I guess my point is you know how this could be spun, though. You know, if, if this team wins 
eight games when they win a lot of people. And we've had Bob Kravitz on here thinking they were going to win three games. And that wasn't a hot take. I mean, I kind of felt like I might have been a homer picking them to win five or six games this season. That everybody, and you know this, in the offseason, you, you, you always think your team's going to get better. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so you think, wow. I mean, The Colts we, will be the popular it, pick it, next year we, to, yeah, you know, to, make to the take big a, jump. To take yeah. some sort of a step. Well, you know, if we did this, this, and that with, with, with Gardner Minshew, I mean, we can bring in we can bring in uh, Anthony Richardson and we're going to be able to do this. Shane Steichen's going to be better. Jonathan Taylor won't be injured. He won't miss four games. He'll be there the entire season. We'll have a draft class. We'll get a free agent wide receiver. You know how fans go that it's sure. not like it's not like, hey, we're going to win nine games one year. I mean, I fell into this. I fell into the safe, into, into, into my team could win nine games. That means it, they're going to take that nine game. That is now the floor. You know, if the Colts win seven or eight, it's like, well, I mean, next year the the floor has to be seven or eight games because they did that with Gardner Minshew and the offensive line being injured and defensive backs being young and injured like that. I, I just that that's why that the next seven games matter for this season, but it's going to I guess my point, it's going to be interesting to watch what the next seven games do for the narratives and how that jump starts next year's conversation around the team. I think the most encouraging signs are at head coach and quarterback. Back, more so than what that record will look like at the end of the year. It's I the agree. Fact that what Richardson showed you on the field, small sample size, it, it was encouraging. Again, there's a lot of layers to the Richardson story that we'll obviously talk about for the next 10 months or so. And then Shane Steichen uh, certainly looks more than competent to be able to handle this. And I just think, and Ballard said it yesterday with some of the Steichen clips, I mean, there is just a level of and I think any new coach would have brought this, but I do think Shane Steichen, how he's wired, is very authentic. There's a demanding element to him. Uh, I think players appreciate that. Um, I think he handles his accountability as himself and locker room-wise in a manner that I think was needed as well. And I just think he's real with him and does it in a very concise manner, which I think resonates with guys as well. Uh, you want to hear that clip? We can right now. Here's Chris Ballard on his coach, Shane Steichen. Like, anytime you're doing something for the first time, you know, you're going to have some bumps. But here's what I... And, and I thought this came out really strong in the in the interview. He's very authentic. He is who he is. You know, he's not trying to be somebody he's not. And I think players gravitate to that. Uh, they appreciate somebody that is the same person each and every day in their personality. And and I appreciate that about him. Look, he's very demanding. Um, he wants what he wants. And he's going to tell you. And that, yeah, look, that makes my job and our my staff's job a lot easier when you know, hey, look, I need this to make this go. Um, and he's real with them each and every day. And he's real with himself. Like, he doesn't just sit there and blame people when things go wrong. No. He takes accountability when it's his fault. And he'll hold the players accountable when it's their fault. So basically that's what you said. He <laughs> <laughs> like Shane Steichen. You want to hear some of this Anthony Richardson? That's what we were planning on getting to. Chris Ballard uh, on Anthony Richardson. I, I mean, I thought there were a couple interesting uh, items as obviously Richardson goes under the knife, you know, a couple weeks ago, uh, back with the team, rehabbing and going through all of that. Uh, this was at the very beginning, Chris Ballard talking about AR. You know, I walked in on the back end of, you know, when Andrew was had his surgery, you know, so I, I saw what Andrew went through. Um, I saw that, you know, it, it, the long rehab process and what he did before I got here. Um, and then after getting multiple opinions on the shoulder, 
kind of my history of knowing um, how important your throwing shoulder is uh, on any rotational athlete, any throwing athlete. Um, the shoulder has to be right. And I think at the end of the day, it's a hard decision, but the best decision for the player was to get it fixed now. Uh, so that was on the injury. I don't think there's anything surprising there. Getting it fixed, uh, getting it fixed now. Chris Ballard continued the maturity of Anthony Richardson. Anthony's a really neat young man, and you know, not. I think you saw it with his play. I mean, there's no, there's never a, a, a moment of panic, you know, with him. Um, he's disappointed. Of course he was, you know. I mean, he wanted to continue to play. He actually sent a, a great message to the team right before surgery. Um, sent a voice mail to Shane, and Shane, you know, played it for the team, and it was really heartfelt from the heart and how much he cared and how much it bothered him that he wasn't playing. But he he's he is far more mature, you know, for a kid that young man that just turned 21 years old than, than I expected. Uh, people may not know this. KB did the same with uh, Mark and I. He sent a message uh, to us before you went your hair procedure last week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, it was very right. motivational for us to be able to power through that Friday show last week. Yeah. Thank you. Kumbaya thank you for, moment. Thank you for that. For the wake-up call. <laughs> Ready Ball- to run through a brick wall. Yes. <laughs> Ballard said something else about Richardson that I found I- I- interesting yesterday about you know protecting himself is the number one thing moving forward. And... That's a debate, again, I feel like we had a lot of month, a month and a half ago that we'll probably continue to have once the season ends. But to me, it's it's not as much of Richardson protecting himself as what can the Colts do to help him protect himself. Uh, again, I'll say the phrase a million times in the next 10 months. To me, you limit some of the design runs. You don't eliminate, you limit some of that. I look at all those plays and think of the four times he got injured this year, I don't think one time he took an unnecessary hit. I don't think there was one time it was a first and 10 in the middle of the second quarter, and instead of going out of bounds after a seven-yard gain, he cut it to the middle of the field, lowered his shoulder, and took on three defensive backs. I would agree. So, I mean, it was a football play, especially the one that knocked him out was just, I mean, it was a football play. I mean, it's it's not not what like it was. He, I mean, Harold Andrew was right there and made yeah. a tackle. It's not like he could have slid and got a, what, a two-yard gain on the play? Um, so that is something that I think is this fine line and an interesting dynamic of how the Colts view it. Do they view it in like, no, 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 Richardson's got to do his part. And honestly, it's a little bit of both. And I go back to the Rams game. You know, he had missed time due to the concussion, missed that Baltimore game in week three. He comes back to the Rams game. A lot of those, okay, you know, how would he look like playing style-wise? What's going to be different with him? And then the first play, he slides, and the crowd rejoices. (laughs) I honestly felt like when Richardson ran, it was not Josh Allen recklessness. It was pretty good decision making. Um, you know, people can bring up the touchdown run in Houston. Again, to me, that was kind of a freak thing there where uh, I honestly don't think he saw the defensive back until the very end of the play. At that point, I, you know, he's going to slide at the goal line there. So I view it more in the, the Colts need to do their part. I don't think Richardson is a reckless decision maker as a runner. I think the Colts need to look at it and say, all right. Yes, we could run him into the ground, and you might see that instant gratification in one game, but do you see a 17-game reason for that? And that, I think, is a dilemma that the Colts need to do their part with. Uh, you, you know I think that Steichen ain't changing. That, that's, I know. That's how and, I, that's and how and I do things. And comment yesterday uh, got I, me thinking a little bit more 
uh, of, yeah, he might nod his head at Shane believing that as well. Uh, last one before the top of the hour, Chris Ballard, the future here with Anthony Richardson. Until you're around somebody, I mean, no matter how brilliant people are in this league, you know, the, the more you see and when you get to see him play, then it, it really, a light goes off. Okay, this is what we need to do to get this guy going. You you anticipate and you project, but until you are with him and live with him and watch him play daily, um, understanding what a, what a player can and can't do, especially at the quarterback position and how you got to build around it, um, I think we got a pretty good handle on him, what he can do, um, and what we need to do to build around him. And that's interesting just because now that's what the next few months will be, KB. How do they build around their franchise quarterback? And honestly, I would say probably one of the more encouraging elements of what you saw from Richardson in the small sample size was that poise. You know, was the fact that it didn't look deer in headlights. You watch Bryce Young and you're like, oh man, that looks a little deer in headlights. You watch Richardson and I can't think of really any place where it looked like that. All right, uh, on the other side, we'll have Mike DeCourcy. We'll do a little college basketball chatter coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. Again, Thad Botta joining us here at 8.30. It's a gorgeous Thursday morning. Thank you for spending it with us. Wake up call KB and Andy on 93.5107.5. The fan. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Yeah, hanging out with you, drivehubler.com studios, wake up call, KB and Andy. Thanks for waking up with us. We're all a little groggy today uh, out at Adam Sandler late last night. Always a good time. Appreciate the Pacers having us out for that. Pacers next in action on Sunday. Our coverage here on the fan beginning at 4.30. All right, so I'm excited. Back when I was doing radio in Louisville every week, got to talk with Mike DeCourcy from the Sporting News and the Big Ten Network and happy to do so here uh, in Indy this morning. Mike, good morning. It's great to hear your voice. How are you, my friend? I am well, Andy. How are you? Uh, it's been a busy few. I have a kid now, Mike. I'm a father. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> wow. I'm a father. That is, the, that is the most frightening thing I think I've heard in 2023. It should be. You You're damn bad. right it is. Uh, well, it's, good. It's, it's good to hear your voice. Uh, we won't be yelling and screaming about John Calipari. We'll, uh, we'll talk more Indiana and Purdue, obviously. I just wanted to get your thoughts. I know you wrote about it. You were there uh, covering the Champions, uh, the Champions Classic. Uh, maybe not the best Champions Classic we've had, but uh, Kansas, no doubt. Hunter Dickinson was great. Duke had that loss to Arizona. They bounce back. Michigan State now 1-2. and two. Kentucky has some front court issues. Uh, what have you made of the early college basketball season? What did you make of that Champions Classic on Monday night? Well, I, I, what, what struck me in watching on Wednesday night, Tuesday night. Tuesday night, excuse me, Tuesday. Tuesday night, yeah. What struck me was that this is one, three, and five, I think, something like that in the preseason polls. I think I think it's going to be a very wide open year because these are not extraordinary teams. These this is not 2015 with uh, with the undefeated Kentucky team and the Jaleel Okafor, Justice Winslow, Tyus Jones, Duke team and the Wisconsin team with uh, with so many tremendous players that they had and 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 won the the Big Ten as comfortably as they did with Frank Kaminsky and Sam Decker and it's just not like that. Uh, this this 
Kansas team has two two extraordinary players uh, in Hunter Dickinson and Dewan Harris, and then a really really high end wing in Kevin McCuller, and then they're like trying to figure out who else can go with these guys, uh, who can fit, who can match, who can who can work in, who can be confident enough on the floor. Uh, Duke uh, really struggling with some of their talented players, Tyrese Proctor. Uh, just not playing at the level that we would expect a player who is a projected first-round lottery pick to be playing. And then they brought in a freshman named McLean who did not score on mm. Tuesday night, uh, who was supposed to be really high end. So it, 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 well, I walked away thinking Kentucky was the one team, although they're missing their two centers. I, I the, their third center, Big Z, I'm not counting until somebody says he can play. But the other two can play. They just aren't uh, healthy enough to play. Uh, until they get those guys out there, we won't know what they are. But I saw real talent out there. Not, not, you know, not extraordinarily happy with every single player, but the, one, the ones who played well, there's real ability there. Uh, but they obviously are younger than most. So it's just going to be a year, I think, when a lot of people uh, can look at it and say, yeah, we can win this thing. Uh, we've got a shot at this. There's nobody we can't reach. Mike DeCourcy, diehard Steelers fan as well. Always feel like that's worth mentioning when we bring him on. <laughs> will Mike be in attendance in a few weeks? Mike, will you go to the game in Lucas Oil? I am hopeful. I okay. am hopeful. But uh, Picture, uh, Picturing I, him I, throwing I his terrible it. towel at other Colts fans <laughs> in the building there at can, Lucas can Oil Stadium. This, can I say this on your show because of the audience? I will say that I have been to uh, – Cleveland, Cincinnati, some other places. There is no place, and I and I. It's interesting because I heard this uh, from people who uh, uh, attend. I think when when I think Indy went to Charlotte, maybe or Jacksonville. Um, the, the Colts fans are the best, like in terms of being like actual people um, and not you know not you know treating you like a human, uh, <laughs> even though you're in, in another team's gear. Um, they they are the nicest people. Uh, I, and I heard, like I said, I heard this. That, uh, I think it was maybe when they were down in Jacksonville or something. Uh, somebody uh, that I knew was sitting next to a bunch of Colts people and uh, and and said they were the nicest people. I, I really feel it's important to say that because uh, it's not the way it is in every NFL stadium, uh, the way it is at Lucas Oil, and they cheer for their team as hard as anybody, but. It, it, at the end of the day, it's a game, and, and Indy deserves a lot of credit for that. Do we? Is that a reason why they've only won one of their last ten home games? Are they? Are they? Are they too? Neither. Are they? Are they too? I know, Mike. That was kind of a tough spin on it, but um, more fights in the they crowd. Like that in the Peyton days. It's, it's, you know, I think it has more to do with that. Yeah, we. Yeah, we need more security breaking up fights during games here at Lucas Oil. Um, now, I, I want to shift gears here locally, and let's start with the Purdue Boilermakers. Obviously, a big week upcoming for them. In such a loaded field out in Hawaii. Lance Jones is the new guy. So maybe just based off he's really the only new guy outside of Miles Colvin, it's just intriguing in that. Like, okay, you know, is that the personnel boost that is needed? I do feel like I watch him, and I think he gives Purdue a little bit more than what Ethan Morton, uh, I would say a lot more, honestly, than what Ethan Morton provided them in the starting lineup last year. Um, Is that something that is intriguing to you? And like, okay, here's a guy that can do a couple of different things, can even handle the ball a little bit, get Braden Smith off the ball. Could that be maybe more of a boost than on paper it looked like in the offseason as, you know, a Southern Illinois transfer who, you know, wasn't like this Missouri Valley, you know, player of the year? 
Well, I think he helps them. Uh, he gives them some toughness. He can he can create a little bit. I, if he if he shot forty percent, he would be a lot of what they need. Uh, he definitely makes them better. I, I, I liked what I saw, but I, I I believe that if 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 the final hurdle is we've got to win the you know the, the games we're supposed to, I think he certainly helps you there. Uh, if the final hurdle is we want to win the biggest games, I think Roosevelt Colvin's Colvin's uh, uh, his. Uh, his assimilation into the lineup at the highest possible level is going to be a huge difference maker because he's the one guy that they can put in there and say, you know, this guy's he's got a shot. He's got, he, he's got a real shot at the league. He goes out there and busts three threes in a row the other night, shot them like he's, you know, like he's uh, uh, Clay Thompson or something. I mean, he just no, no hesitation, uh, no, you know, no lack of confidence, uh, great form, great precision. And he's a high end athlete uh he's he's the guy that they haven't had very often at purdue uh and i think he was underrated coming out of high school uh i i I don't think that you can shoot the one of the things that i complain about now with the way high school players are are scouted is that i think that uh, that shooting is still underrated uh that to me that's right now with the way the game has gone you could be a tremendous athlete, but if you can't shoot, that that's got to be, you know, that's got to be considered. Uh, and if you could be a uh, a A minus athlete, but if you can shoot, then you're better than they're trying to say you are. Uh, and if you're Grady Dick and you've got all that, how are you the 14th player in the country? I mean, you're you're the fifth or third or something. Shooting is so important, and so for a guy like Roosevelt Colvin who has high end athleticism and he's a terrific shooter, that's a guy that, that should have been higher in the rankings, and the sooner he is playing significant minutes, not just uh, big minutes like in terms of time of game, but like volume of minutes, the more that they can get him out there. And I know it's hard because you've got a lot of veteran guys, and, you, and you're very deep at his position, but I think the more he plays – the, the higher produced ceiling goes. Mike DeCourcy with us here. Payless Liquors Hotline. He's from the Sporty News Big Ten Network. Uh, college basketball insider here on the fan on this Thursday. Uh, KB, I'm taking your question on Purdue, okay? So I know Mike DeCourcy, and I know one thing that burns Mike DeCourcy is people that want to see the ball advanced in college basketball like the oh. NBA does, okay? So <laughs> I know that burns him. I'm not going to ask him about that. The other thing that I know that burns Mike Mike DeCourcy is when fans don't enjoy the ride, and that has been part of the conversation. I agree with Mike on that. Uh, yeah, and this has been part of the conversation around Purdue basketball is enjoying the ride, knowing that so Life's very too short not to enjoy. Uh, it. Yes, it's so very much, Mike. It's going to come down to what they do in the NCAA tournament. So, what would you say to those fans? And I really think it begins this weekend uh, as Purdue gets Gonzaga, and then immediately could get Tennessee as well. Well, I, I think that the the important thing to understand is that if like if, if all you care about is whether they advance in March, then you shouldn't watch TV until March. I mean, I, and I think that <laughs> I, I think you're missing what being a fan is about. Every game matters, and obviously, you're going to play games on the schedule, the buy games that you're going to win comfortably. But what what is happening in those games? How hard is your team playing? How 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 much are they growing? How much is Roosevelt Colvin uh, getting minutes and helping you to do those things? And what could he be? That's what being a fan is about. What the possibility 
if it's you know, as a Steelers fan, uh, as a confessed Steelers fan, I, I deal with this all the time. People are like, "Well, there were, it's not you know." The Steelers have won six Super Bowls since you know since I was a teenager. That's more. That's more than all but one other team, and it's and and no one has more than them. But that, that okay. So starting like in '72 when they first made the playoffs, they've won six Super Bowls. So it's 50, 50, basically fifty years. Am I supposed to be miserable? 85% of the time because they didn't win the other 44 Super Bowls? That's just an absurd way of looking at being a sports fan. There really are a lot of other entertainments out there um, that are constantly fulfilling if that's the way you look at it. Like watch Netflix and, and, <laughs> and Hulu and all that or go to the Broadway shows. I love Broadway. Do that. Uh, listen to music. Uh, there's so many different wonderful genres of music that can – fulfill you i've been to the jazz kitchen i went there three times this summer what a great (laughs) venue do that because if you're not enjoying watching your team develop then it's really not worth being a sports fan uh if you if the only thing that makes you happy as a sports fan is success or ultimate success in march and i'll let me say this i know i'm not talking to a big segment of purdue fans because i was at mackey on monday yeah i would agree with that there there are not many places like, there's no place where the fans are more fun. There, and, and I've been to all of the best places uh, in college basketball. There's no place where the fans are more fun. I like Allen Fieldhouse better as a building, the history and, and the, the way it's constructed and everything. And they do a great job with their fan base. Um, but there's no fan base and environment I enjoy more than Mackey. Uh, he is Mike DeCourt. By the way, I went to Jazz Fest earlier this year. It was a great time, so I, I, I could not agree more. We had uh, Rosie Bowen is loving the music uh, outside of the Jazz Kitchen back uh, in the summer. Mike DeCourt is with this year against Sporting News. Obviously, big-time cover of college basketball. Let's shift gears down to Bloomington. It's not often you see Indiana as a single-digit favorite at home against a non-Power 5, non-conference team, but that is where they're at right now with Wright State tonight, 7 o'clock tonight. Uh, where is the panic meter for you after their performances against Florida Gulf Coast and Army? Well, I know there's no panic at all for me, uh, the way I look at it. Uh, would I like to see them do a better job of utilizing the three-point line or, or a, a busier job of utilizing the three-point line? Yes. That's really my only concern with that team. Can they do point. that, given their personnel? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I watched Trey Galloway uh, in the first – 10 minutes, sometime in the first 10 minutes of the first game, uh, bust a three-pointer out of a, uh, out of a little curl move, and, and I'm like, yes, do more of that. You can do this. I mean, I'm not saying that the Trey's going to be a 40% three-point shooter, but that, that threat needs to be there for everything else to work. I mean, you're, you've got a tremendous front line, and Khalil Ware, see, one of the reasons why I'm not panicked is because my single biggest concern about Indiana coming into the year was how would Khalil Ware be? Because I watched him play against UCLA last year, and I mean they were pushing him around like uh, you know like it was me. Uh, it, it, he 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 really struggled in that kind of game. And to this point, I know they haven't played high end, high major competition, but he's playing with great confidence, uh, great comfort. He looks like a, a big time college basketball player. So that's the first hurdle. Uh, and then you've got uh, Malik Renews playing very well at this point. Uh, could could hit the boards a little harder, but uh, uh, the the everything is going from from a personnel standpoint the way you want it to, with, with the exception of Mbako. And I, I said this earlier this week. 
the, the wing position is the hardest transition for and I'm talking I'm not talking about like guys who are six four who who are played as a third guard. I'm talking about a true small forward who's six seven, six eight, six nine. That's a hard transition because a lot of what you've done through your career is use that size as an advantage over smaller defenders. And it's much more difficult to do that at the Division One level than it is at any uh, AAU or even the highest uh, prep school leagues. Uh, it's just it's a totally different deal. So Mbako's going to have to make that adjustment, and it's going to take time. And the more frustration there is, the longer it takes. The more understanding that that's the, that's the journey, the better it'll go. Uh, so I, that's the only player personnel concern. And that the one the one issue is that three point activity. And remember, they didn't use it enough last year either. And they had Miller Cop shooting forty six percent. So it, it's the one element of the way they play that that gives concern. And it, and it, it that concern is amplified because you don't have anyone who's a proven uh, off the ball deep shooter. Mike DeCourcy, Sporting News, Big Ten Network on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, Mike, uh, I mean, listen, I need to ask you, I know you wrote about it through the eyes uh, of Dame Fife, but, uh, you know, just, you know, while we have you on, Bobby Knight passing away a couple weeks ago. So many former players came on the stations here, uh, you know, people that covered him over the years. We had Roy Williams on uh, a couple days after Roy, just giving stories for about 30 minutes on the air was fantastic. Uh, you know, his life and then his his passing, we know how confusing and how uh, polarizing, I think is the better word, Bobby Knight was. What stood out to you? He passed away, and then all the stories that kind of came out. Uh, give us a story. Give us something as Bobby Knight passed away a couple weeks ago. I know you followed him for a number of years. Well, you know, I, it, it, I, I grew up in the game, obviously, and, and well aware of what he was and, and and who he was and how he mattered. And, you know, to me, the, the, you know, the, the story that I, I like to tell that's because I, I, I didn't really get into um, covering college basketball nationally until he was very close to the end of his IU time. I mean, I started at Sporting News in 95 and, and I, you know, I attended the press conference in Indy uh, on that day in September uh, it, it, I attended the one in May when, when the double uh, secret probation thing was put on, the zero tolerance policy. I was there for that. I came up uh, uh, as well when he was let go. Uh, so I, I, that's too much of what I remember about covering him. But one of the things that I like to tell about, and I, I think IU fans will appreciate this, because when, when they build Assembly Hall, I mean, Assembly Hall isn't like any other building it's, it, it, in terms of the way it's constructed. And so when they built it, I don't know what the thought was, but it's like they forgot, oh, what, yeah, these games are going to be on TV. Where do we put the camera? <laughs> so the camera position in, in Assembly Hall before, not now, but back in the day, was so low that you could barely see anything but the ball going in. I mean, it, it, was, it, it, it made a basketball look absurd, and I could never understand anything that was going on except, oh, okay, the ball went And... So I didn't understand anything really about how IU basketball really worked and why it worked so well. And then a buddy of mine uh, won the ticket lottery in 1987, and so we're going to Final Four, and, and it happens that IU is there along with UNLV and Providence and Syracuse. So we're sitting in the upper end zone uh, at one end of the floor, and, 
And I, I remember this was back before we had big screens, guys. I mean, they had a screen, but it was like watching it on Atari game. <laughs> uh, and so, like, I was, you know, I was excited about going, but I'm like, am I going to be able to actually see the game? Because I want to see the game. And pretty quickly, your eyes adjust to whether or not the ball goes in. And I, but what? But being up there, I was able to see how it all worked and see the genius of night. Now I now I got it. You could you could see it all play out in front of you. And okay, this you know this is where they're going to set the screen for Steve Alford, and so that he can get the shot. And it was really a beautiful thing, and it was, and it taught me so much about basketball generally because I was watching the absolute master, and now I could actually see how it all fit together. And it, it you know and I, Keith Smart hit the shot at the opposite end, so that's the end of the floor I was at. I was at the and where where uh, Derek Coleman missed the free throws, uh, and then Steve was uh, uh, Keith, excuse me, uh, made the shot at the opposite end. But it was really a cool experience to do that. So even though that wasn't really a close up experience with Bob, uh, it's one that really meant a lot to me as someone who loves the game and and who was about to be launched. That was that was the year before I started covering college basketball. I was still covering high schools then. And so I've, every year since then, I have been covering college basketball and getting the chance to see the master at work uh, in that way really meant a lot to me. And he is Mike DeCourcy. Uh, you can find his work, variety of places, Sporting News, uh, covering college basketball, and he will be certainly attuned come Sunday at 1 o'clock, uh, maybe flipping back and forth between Indiana and UConn, but also his Steelers as they take on the Browns here in week Eleven, uh, Mike. Thanks for the time. As always, great stuff, and uh, we'll hopefully keep the conversation going throughout the college basketball season. Anytime, guys. It's uh, always a delight to talk to you too. Appreciate that is it, Mike Corsi, right there. Payless Liquors Hotline. I know several people have reached out. Yes, obviously, Mike meant Miles Colvin, not Roosevelt Colvin. Obviously, uh, wouldn't mind seeing Rosie and a little high low with Zach Eady. <laughs> that, that would be quite the scene. You think that would work? Yeah, I I, I feel like that could lead to um, some Big Ten. Uh, imagine officiating that. M- Mike has Mike conference. has scolded me so many different times. Uh, I, I if I were a Purdue fan, and you're gonna hate this, Kevin. If I were a Purdue fan, I'd be the miserable Purdue. Fan until March. Gosh, I, that is just no way to live. <laughs> well, we all you live see how, how it we, comes in every Monday after a Giants. Yeah, game. We we all live how we want to live. I don't know but what it, to tell you. I, I don't get it because you still watch the Giants. Oh uh, well, I paid three hundred dollars on a NFL Sunday ticket, so it's like it's like I had a buddy who who we went to the casino back in the day. Don't Dude, you want to see if things are different? though? No, I know. I'm just kidding around. But I, I I would be I'd be in the middle. I'd be like, okay, I'm interested in these games. I want to win Maui. I can't wait to see what we do against the Zags and if we play Tennessee after that and everything else. But there would be something nagging in the back of my mind. I guess that's what it would be. It'd be nagging me. It'd be pulling at me. Can we do it this year? You look at the next handful of days. <laughs> Butler will be at Michigan State tomorrow. Again, we know Indiana's game. got UConn coming up on uh, Sunday and then either Texas or Louisville after that. Purdue, we know will play Gonzaga. We know we'll play Tennessee or Syracuse, and it's possible they play Kansas or Marquette or one of these other high-ranked teams. So from a, a Butler, Purdue, Indiana standpoint, uh, the competition's certainly going to rise a whole lot here. Coming up, speaking of Butler, Thad Mata in less than 10 minutes going to join us. Again, they are off to East Lansing coming up later today to take on the Spartans tomorrow night. Uh, before that, let's hit a morning checkdown. The morning checkdown. Omaha! Omaha! 
on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Yeah, it's already week 11 in the NFL. Bengals on the road against the Ravens. A big one in the AFC North. Uh, both teams coming off a loss. The line for this game, Baltimore favored by about three and a half. Joe Burrow was terrible last week. He needs to be better this week. Here's what Burrow said about tonight's game. Whenever we play these guys, it's always it's always battle. You know, whether whatever the records are, the records are. Uh, every time we play these guys, it's going to be tough. It's always going to be a lot of a lot of stake. Uh, again, I mean, you go back to that box score. Joe Burrow had the two crushing interceptions uh, at the end of that game. Threw for over 300 yards against the Texans, but t- uh, interceptions in the end zone not going to be good enough. That game coming up tonight, eight fifteen on Amazon. I think it's a must win for the Bengals. I, I I would agree with you. I they mean, always to go to five and five, and they're getting really left in the dust in the AFC. I don't know if I go must win. Just it's close. Yet on it's that. close. Well, because then the Ravens go to eight and three. So right, but they have game. played better football. Like I, I feel like, and you know, T. Higgins a little bit banged up right now. Uh, He's out. I, I, it's just I don't know. Short week Thursday nighter in if, Baltimore. If the Bengals lose, it's hard for me to call that they, a bus. Yeah, one. they had the Steelers next week, and then they go at Jacksonville. Now Jacksonville never wins in Jacksonville, and then obviously the Colts game, and we'll see where the Colts are. That's not a pushover game. Minnesota, we'll see where they are with Josh Dobbs, and then to end the year at Steelers. At Chiefs, home Browns. So, but, but they just won four in a row. Like it's not like it's Buffalo, where Buffalo's been reeling. Like Cincinnati's played better football. Well, Cincinnati very well should have won. I mean, they could had, easily be. I mean, Ty, Tyler Boyd dropped a touchdown. Right. You know, they had an interception. Like I said, the Burrow interception, an interception in the end zone. I mean, they probably lost out on seventeen points by a drop touchdown and by interception. Uh, tonight in Bloomington, 7 o'clock, it will be Indiana and Wright State. Our coverage over on WIBC, our sister station, uh, an hour before that tip with Don Fisher and company. Again, uh, Indiana favored by 9.5 in this one. Wright State was picked to finish third in the Horizon League. They are 0-2 on the year. They lost to Toledo by one the other night. Uh, Trey Colvin, little guard, their preseason player of the year in that one. Uh, I would say even without the Army Florida Gulf Coast performances. And I think anytime you do play like an upper echelon Horizon League team, it kind of gets your attention, you know, more so than, again, Florida oh, Gulf sure, Coast sure. and some of these other directional schools. Uh, maybe it's a little Midwest bias in me coming out, but uh, I'll be very curious to see how Indiana responds before they are off to face UConn coming up Sunday afternoon. Yeah, quickly in the NBA, Draymond Green, his uh, his chokehold, his sleeper. Who was who the sleeper? Was that Roddy Roddy Piper, Mark? Who who made that like the most famous? It was the him, was it not? Probably, yeah, I mean, he was uh, one of them. With the, uh, Bob Backlund? Cross-faced chicken. Okay. Leg. Well, anyway. You uh, put your arm behind your head, so you could, or your, ne- your back, so you couldn't <laughs> Get out of it. I will say that. That was impressive by Draymond. I mean, he's giving up how many inches to Rudy Gobert there? I mean, he is. Rudy's like, what What exactly is going on? I still love Steve Kerr almost like hanging on the leg like Lonzo, uh, like Alonzo Mourning uh, there and Jeff Van Gundy. But anyway, five-game suspension also last night in the NBA. Knicks over the Hawks. Celtics over the Sixers. Bucks over the Raptors. Magic over the Bulls. Uh, all those games matter as we talk about the Indiana Pacers. Good for Trish Jackson Davis. The Draymond Green is out for five games. Games. Well, it's not bad. I'd be curious to see how that influences the minutes for the Center Grove and Indiana product. Uh, college football for this weekend. Again, Indiana and Purdue are both favored in Big Ten games.
That, that just someone give stunning. me this. It's too bad Scotty's not here this week. We need somebody to go run the numbers on exactly when the last time that happened was. Again, it could have been within the last couple of years, but I just feel like there's not a lot of instances where both Indiana and Purdue are favored against Big Ten opponents the same week. Well, and to add to it, it's not like both are playing at home. Purdue is on the road, and both are favored by at least three. Right. It's not like we have this like one and a half here. Purdue a three point favorite at Northwestern. Indiana three and a half. Over Michigan State, Notre Dame back in action. Senior day for Sam Hartman. That is against his former team in Wake Forest. Uh, really, I mean, it's I don't not s- a great week of college yeah, football. It, you're in the, you're going to the best game. I, I would say that's the best game. Tennessee, uh, Georgia. Oh no, it's it, the best game. Isn't game day at James Madison? Yeah, that's fine. I mean, that's fine because they got to save some of the SEC ones. But no, I mean, you, you had the best game simply because can Tennessee's offense do the unthinkable. At some point, will Georgia lose a game? I mean, they're about to go three full seasons without losing a game being 10-0. and I mean, to me, if they... if they Am win... I allowed to storm the field, by the way, if Tennessee wins? Oh, I think you have to storm the field. Yeah, I think okay. that's show content right there. Yeah, well, I, I, I will do it regardless. I just didn't want to be judged. Well, make sure you're videoing in everything, right? I mean, make sure you get the video and everything so you get those hits. Well, they'll just Jump see the me with that camera yeah. shot. You know, I'll be the one wearing orange, and they'll just see <laughs> oh, me. Oh, you'll be the you'll, one wearing you'll orange. Be, you'll be, be the one. Uh-huh. Be I've got the hair. Don't people. you think they could recognize me with the hair? I'll make sure the hat's off. <laughs> man, that scenery is going to be good. Where, man. where are you sitting? Do you know where your seats are? Like, pretty decent seats? Or? Yeah, I think I think we're like, um, uh, like top of the lower level. Oh, that's great. But really? it's a huge, I mean, it's a 100,000 seat stadium. Yeah. Oh, it's a huge stadium. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but if they win, I mean, you're looking at. I cannot wait. I'm you're so You're looking happy. at, you know, Georgia will pound Georgia Tech, and then they have Alabama. I mean, this is, but, you know, this is the last, the last hiccup. This could throw a complete wrench into the college football playoff if Tennessee could do the unthinkable. Thad Mata on the other side. He joins us next. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Appreciate Mike DeCourcy joining us. You miss any of his conversation or the conversation with our next guest, Thad Mata. You can check it out. Uh, 1075thefan.com, wherever you get your podcast, check us out. Uh, it is the Wake Up Call hanging out with you on this Thursday. We'll keep the hoops conversation going. We'll go back on out to the Payless Liquors Hotline. Thad Mata joins us here on the program. Coach, good morning. How are you today, sir? I'm doing fine. How are you guys doing? Oh, we're doing fantastic. Uh, so much, uh, so happy for you to join us uh, on this Thursday. Well, three and zero on the early season. Obviously, the competition picks up here in the next couple weeks. Michigan State coming up on Friday, and then Florida Atlantic, and then Texas Tech. Uh, give us, a, I guess, a grade. How do you? What have you seen from your team early on this season? And then the next three games, especially the level of competition, really going to be picking up for you guys well there's no question about that and, and i'll say this I, I like where our team is right now i think that uh 
you know, we've done a very good job of, of doing what we're supposed to do in the first three games. And, you know, I, I think the, the great thing after each game we've played thus far, I've, I've told the guys, hey, we still have a lot of room for improvement. And, you know, there's just there's areas we got to continue to grow, both offensively and defensively. But it is still, you know, relatively early in the season. Um, you know, obviously going to East Lansing here tomorrow night is going to be a great test for us. I think it'll give us a, a really good gauge of, of where we are. And then, you know, you follow that up with Florida Atlantic and, um, you know, you have five high majors coming down the pipe here in the Texas Tech. So, you know, we come out of that and, and, and you know, I, I, the one thing I like about this group is I know they're going to fight. I know they're going to compete and, and uh, you know, their attention to detail has been very good thus far in terms of preparation and, and it has to be for us because our margin of error is so small. How uh, how difficult, Coach, do you think those practices have been with Tom Izzo given that his team won in two uh, on the early season? How do you think those are going? Funny, I, I well, I don't know. Um, you know, obviously Pierre Brooks played for us or plays for us, and he was up there. And um, Reese Joseph was uh, played a couple years up there. Um, so they said things could be a little bit rough. But you know, I, I saw an interview with him after the Duke game the other night, and he said, "Hey, we're we're not playing bad. We just got to make shots." And um, you know, defensively they're they're as sound as they always are. You know, they're going to race the ball in transition, and and they're they're unbelievable in scoring in the first six seconds of the shot clock. Um, you know, we got to we got to get back, get them stopped, and and uh, you know, make them run their half court offense, and um, you know, hope that they, the the shooting woes continue a little bit. But we know we're going to have to have something to do with that. He is Thad Mata again. A trip to East Lansing tomorrow night. The three and Butler Bulldogs on the year. Coach all three by at least thirty points so far. You guys did have some blowout wins early last season. Does this start feel different to you? And if so, why or why not? Well, it's completely different. Um, I don't know. Just the, the the vibes a lot better this year. Just in terms of. of um, you know, and, and and I also think this, you know, last year I think we were playing with seven guys at this point. And, um, you know, right now we're running 10 deep and, and uh, you know, we're able to get the young guys uh, a lot of minutes right now that, you know, hopefully is going to pay off for us down the road. Um but no, just a, a, a little bit different. I, I think our defense is, is more sound than it was. We're, we're a little bit tougher than we were uh, at this stage last year. Did I hear correctly from a little birdie that you might have gone Van Morrison with one of your players? <laughs> I did, yes. Yeah. Days like this. You know, Atlanta, I think, was two for four from the line, or two for, yeah, two for four, I think it was. I told him, he's a great free throw shooter. And I said, hey, Mama said there'd be days like this. And uh, Did you play the song? <laughs> It's no, great... he, didn't. He, he doesn't know Van Morrison. I was about to, I was about to say, that yeah, was going right to be my follow-up. It's a great yeah. song. I was just curious if you sat him down in the office and say, all right, Landon, uh, you haven't shot it great. Let's uh, let's listen to the song and make sure we start seeing the net differently. Right. No, well, next game he hit four for seven from three, so that was a good thing. <laughs> That's great. Uh, Thad Mata with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. You mentioned uh, Pierre Brooks, a good start to his season, a nice write-up in the Indy Star about him. How do you keep him level, uh, specifically him, uh, level going against his former team on Friday? You know what? I, I don't know. Um, I, I think... Pierre has, has, has a great maturity about him. He's got a great focus. 
Um, you know, the, the, the funny thing is you're going to see this, I think, more and more in college basketball of, you know, kind of the cross match of guys playing against their old schools. I mean, uh, one of our former players last year was on, he didn't make the trip, but he was on East Tennessee State's team. Uh, we got Pierre, you know, Posh will be playing against St. John's in January. Um, no, it's, it's, it's amazing now how I, I think common this is going to become throughout college basketball with all the transferring. He is Stad Mata. He's with us here on the Payless Lickers Hotline. Again, Butler 3-0 on the year. Gavit Games coming up tomorrow night. Uh, that is a trip to the Breslin Center to take on Tom Izzo. You know, obviously, if you made a list, Coach, of you know people you've coached against the most in your career, certainly Tom Izzo would be near the top of that list. What has made Tom Izzo one of the most successful college basketball coaches, regardless of era? You know, I, I think this, um, you know, Tom is just he's 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 a coach's coach and and um you know just you talk about a guy who has stood the test of time and and uh you know every year I don't know what it is twenty some years they've been in the NCAA tournament and um you know I, I know you know you look at a guy that has spent his entire career at, at one place um that's hard to do in today's day and age and and you know the, the time I've spent with him off the court I mean he's just he's a guy that cares about the welfare of the game of college basketball and uh, I've, I've learned a lot from him I really have again it'll be Butler Michigan State tomorrow night we saw the news I guess I don't know a little over a week ago now coach of uh, Barry Collier stepping down as athletic director at Butler certainly an AD head coach relationship for you two extends I would guess a little bit deeper than, than that for those that maybe aren't familiar with it could you explain your guys relationship a little bit and, and how it all started back you know I guess probably in the late 90s our early late eighties, because uh, you know I was on Coach Collier's first team when he came from Stanford uh, and took the head coaching job at Butler. And uh, and what year was that? Uh, Nineteen eighty nine. Wow, gosh. Yeah, just a couple years ago. And um, <laughs> I, uh, uh, you know, then went back and, and worked for him. And and uh, when he left to go to Nebraska, uh, he got me. He got me the job at Butler. And, um, you know, so to say I'm forever grateful for him and, you know, I, I you know, it's, it's amazing because I, I think back and you guys are probably too young, but like he used to walk into Hinkle Fieldhouse and you could see all the way through the Fieldhouse from one end to the other, uh, cause it was all bleachers and, uh, you know, set 14,000 at the time, I think. And, you know, like where our offices are now there, it was a, a long jump pit, a pole vault pit underneath the bleachers. And, you know, we dressed downstairs in the locker rooms and, and he's the man that changed everything, uh, in, in Hinkle Fieldhouse. I mean, all the, all the changes that have been made over the years and, you know, just updating and, and, you know, they, they changed the school colors for goodness sakes. It used to be this soft blue. And, um, you know, he had a vision when he came and, and couldn't be happy for him going, you know, finally retiring and, and uh, going to go on and be a grandfather to all his grandchildren. Thad Mata with us here. Wake up call, hanging out with you until 10 o'clock. Thad's on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, Coach, looking just at the Big East, I, I mean, it's a beast again. We talked about this a couple weeks before the season, and you've seen it already. A bunch of teams still uh, undefeated. You know, Villanova's going to be good. They're 2-1. and one. Patino and company had a loss, but, you know, they're going to be a solid team as well. I don't know how much you get to see of other teams. I guess your thoughts here in the first couple weeks of the Big East and what kind of conference you think it's going to be here this season? Well, you know, it's, it's funny because I think what we talked about earlier with these next five games we got – 
it, it's it's a prelude to the uh, to what we're going to face in you know starting in December into January, February, March. Um, you know this league is is for real. I think you know you've got probably three teams uh, that could could win the national championship, and um, you know I think that's the, the the biggest thing for us is you know we got to win every day that, that we take the court just in terms of us getting better um, because I know you know you just you, you look at our schedule. Um, you know, once we get into the Big East, and it's just one after another, and uh, it's going to be it's going to be a great challenge. There's no question about that. And and you know, like you guys said, there's there's great teams, there's great players, and there's great coaches that we're going to face. All right, last one, coach, for you guys to go on the road tomorrow night and come home with a victory. What what would you label as maybe the biggest key? Well, I think there are two things. We we've got to well three. Four or five. Six, <laughs> um, no, I think this. We, we've got to. We've got to slow down their transition game, and uh, we've got to rebound the basketball, and then we got to. We got to make some shots. We, we we've got to score the ball, and and uh, you know there's the sound defensively as, as we've gone against thus far, and and uh, we're going to have to execute at a very very high level. Maybe a little Van Morrison playing on the way home. You think after that after yeah. that victory could be there. That, that would trust me. My playlist will be going. I'll educate the guys on uh, <laughs> what real music's all about. What, what is the, what I'm is sure on, that's exactly what your players well, want to hear? I was going to say, what's on that playlist? I hate to put you on the spot, but what besides Van Morrison would be on Thad Mata's playlist? Anything? What can you give us? You know, right now, right now, uh, you know, if you if you put in Van Morrison radio, it's it's an unbelievable station. <laughs> And um, you know, you, you get you get all kinds of stuff of, of some like classic rock, but not not the hard stuff. Um, you know, from uh, and and also I'm kind of in like Hootie and the Blowfish. Which okay, gets into like Big Head, Tom the Monsters. I saw them in concert uh, a couple months ago, and and great unknown band. Um, but no, I just I, I rock with it, man. I, I I love my music. Well, I think Hootie and the Blowfish aren't they coming through here again yeah, yeah, next couple months? Yeah. Yeah, 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 I've actually got to spend a uh, after a concert one night. I was on stage with Darius Rucker over in Columbus, Ohio, and got to hang out with him. Huge, huge college basketball fan. We have really? uh, we have Rick Carlisle on every Tuesday, Coach, and he's a huge Hootie fan as well. Bruce How about Hornsby, that? Bru- uh, yeah, Bruce Bruce Hornsby as well. Co- and I think you, you have a relationship with him, right? Yeah, I know Bruce well. I know, I know that Rick supposedly has been on stage with him. Uh, I think does he play guitar? I, yeah. I think Bruce was telling me that. Yeah, and I think uh, he's got a piano background as well. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Bruce Hornsby is is the greatest dude I've ever met. Huh. Yeah. That? How about that? <laughs> well, little yeah. days Uh-oh. like this to here send we go. Fad Mata off here <laughs> on this Thursday morning, Coach. Thanks for it. the time. Appreciate Dr- it, Coach. Great musical selections and good luck tomorrow night. All right, fellas, thanks. <laughs> there we it's go. Bad Mata right there in the Payless Liquors hotline. Players yeah. have no idea what that is. <laughs> no idea. Uh, so Butler, at the start of the season, as he he mentioned, they are playing a lot of guys already this this year. And Landon Moore had kind of a rough shooting night, and so told Landon, all right, you know, Mama said there would be days like this. Sure enough, Landon bangs home a couple threes in that next game there. We do have... And I guess it's the perfect time to do this now. Uh, we do have a pair of tickets to give away for Butler, Texas Tech. Coach mentioned that the upcoming schedule, a lot of Power Five conference teams upcoming for the Bulldogs. Uh, that is two weeks from tonight at Hinkle. They will take on Texas Tech. So I'm going to go here for a trivia question and feel free to call in. That would be 317 239 1070. We'll do this off air, the trivia question. Andy Sweeney, Thad Mata's first year as head coach of Butler. 
Uh, he again, he was only here for a year. Mm-hmm. Left, went to Xavier after that. His leading score in that season was oh, also goodness. my head coach at Butler basketball camp. Was it really for a year? Name me the okay. Butler leading score in Thad Mata's first season at the helm. We will do that offline. We'll continue a little Colts conversation. Some Chris Bauer audio on the other side. It is the wake up call with KB and Andy on ninety three five one zero seven. I believe Alec was our winner to the uh, trivia question. Now, KB left the studio. Shout out to Alec. Uh, Kevin, Kevin, you left the studio. Poor Mark. And we got a lot of callers, but a lot of the callers didn't know the question. So par, poor Mike, Mark Dighton or Mike Dighton. It. Yeah, Mike is my code he, name. He had to uh, recite the question about uh, nine times. <laughs> like, I turned the radio down. I'm like, oh, okay, well. There's a trivia question. Oh, it's fantastic. Thad is leading score in his first season as Butler basketball coach. That would have been the 2000-2001 year. Also, my coach at Butler basketball camp one year. Uh, That would be Thomas Jackson. Uh, 13 points. I loved watching Thomas Jackson as a point guard. Uh, That was a pretty balanced squad, and that was a Butler team that... Uh, made the NCAA tournament and beat Wake Forest. It's one of my like kind of early NCAA tournament memories. Well, there you go. That's good. Well, that's because you knew the guys because they sure. coached you. Sure. You had a personal relationship. You know, just looking at stats, I didn't ask him this, but how much the game has changed. Uh, Fed Mata's teams right now are shooting 26 threes per game at Butler. That's what they're shooting right now. His teams, like if you go back to 2011, his Ohio State team, which was fantastic. I mean, that's a team that had, uh, what, Sullinger on it. I mean, that, that was one of his better teams. You go back Diebler, to 2011, B- Buford. Deshaun Thomas, yeah, Buford, Kraft, uh, so many good players on that team. They shot 13 threes per game. Well, and, and, <laughs> and honestly, that kind of gets a little bit into the Mike DeCourcy conversation in regards to Indiana that we have. Of When you talk modern-day college basketball, Indiana just does not use a three-point oh, line th- at all. They're not modern. They're a big team at all. that needs no, to it, go inside. It is archaic, right. honestly, and, and the weapon of the three-point line and how they utilize it. Um, and I just don't know if that changes this season, given their personnel. Certainly, you would think more McKenzie and Baca would mean more three-point shots. But again, we have not seen the five-star freshman really play hardly at all in the second half of these first couple of games Again, Chris Ballard uh, made an appearance with Colts.com, uh, a little State of the Union, really first time we've heard from Ballard this season about uh, his 5-5 five and five football team. We played some clips earlier. Um, the first time he's talked about Jonathan Taylor and that contract extension, um, this was Ballard yesterday on Jonathan Taylor and the New Deal. I mean, look, business, the business end of this can get dicey at times and, and emotional. Um, and understood that. And I think once we finally you know, kind of took a step back and, and evaluated it for what it is and who Jonathan is, um, we want to do everything we can to keep as many homegrown players as we can. That's, that's been our history, and, and I think we got a pretty good track record of it. Um, and being able to get a, a player that's been highly productive for us and been great not only in the building but in the community, uh, we think is very important. And we think going forward, I mean, John is 24 years old. He's still a young, he's still a young player, and we think has a really, really bright future ahead of him. He's starting to get going, um, and I still don't think we've seen the best of what he will be. And then I don't want to kind of push to the side what Zach Moss has done. Um, Zach Moss, 
Zach Moss played gr- not good football, great football for us. Um, and I know this last game, the, the carries got a little out of whack with Jonathan getting most of them. I, I, I know our staff will work hard because uh, Jonathan needs to be in. I mean, jo- both Jonathan and Zach need to be involved for us to be successful. You know, selfishly, I you know wouldn't have thought to myself. Yeah, what about that four win comment you made at the start of the well, year? Well, that's what I. Re- that's exactly. <laughs> that's exactly. Boy, how the tone has changed. What changed um, with that? Uh, and, and you know, obviously, there's a lot. I think you can pick from from that answer. Um, yeah, I, I probably think Zach Moss deserves more than one carry, but I still think Jonathan Taylor needs to be the bell cow and the focal point. Yeah, I mentioned this earlier in the week. I'd like to see Taylor more in the passing game involved. Uh, right now, it's a log jam, running I, it up I, the middle. I think he should have four catches a game. Yeah, get Is that a bad perimeter. number? I no, think that's a I, good I number, a right? Number. I think he should have four catches um, a game, and one of them can turn into something. Four catches, 40, 50 yards a yeah, game. That's it, what it, I think he should defensive have. Defensive back tackling a you know 220-pound guy who runs 4 3 four, four, is not a guarantee. Um, the other thing I would mention there is, and you know, Ballard is very proud of the we keep homegrown talent. I mean, he he mentions that a lot. Honestly, that was probably the first Jonathan Taylor talking point. If you go back to last June, you go back to June, um, that was when Taylor said, "Look, I know what pass precedent is. If you are homegrown talent and you perform on and off the field, this team keeps you." Does that mean Michael Pittman is unquestionably back? I mean, I don't feel that way. It's, I mean, it, 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 am I reading too much into that? Well, they don't use they don't use the franchise tag. I mean, to me, Pittman would be a guy that you would at least consider. I know the money would be a lot. I would on also the franchise argue tag. they haven't had a lot of great franchise tag candidates. Do you think Pittman is actually? This might be something we can even dive into as we go. We're going to have a lot of time. Do you think Pittman's going to be a little bit more interesting than even the Jonathan Taylor situation just because wide receivers are valued much more in the NFL? I mean, I think here Jonathan Taylor very much is seen as a face of the franchise. That And I understood, and then his agent comments and him going from nice guy to pariah. Like, I understand why it, it became what it did. But if they're not going to sign a big-time free agent, I mean, and the first couple rounds maybe, if they don't use that on a wide receiver in April's draft, you almost have to bring Pittman back. But Pittman's contract is going to be way more lucrative than Jonathan Taylor's, right? I mean, Pittman, if he signs here, is going to get paid more money than Jonathan Taylor. I mean, to me, he's almost more interesting than Jonathan Taylor. I think most people would disagree with that, but I don't know. Like, I don't know what his future is. I, think I have no contract, idea. That contract is more complicated because he's going to be wanting to get paid like a one, but is he really a one on most other NFL teams? Has he proven that he's... They go up and get a guy like Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson. I, I yeah, know. I think they each have their own complications in that. You know, with Taylor, it was paying a running back that sort of money. Uh, with Pittman, it's probably the market is going to be a lot more competitive than it was, you know, for a guy like Taylor, even. Again, the franchise tag, they haven't had a lot of great right. candidates, though. Well, it's Andy, Pat I, McAfee, right? Yeah, the he, last time they used it? I mean, is that right? used in a decade, but I, I can't think of anybody that right. I thought of and thought, oh, yeah, that guy deserves the franchise tag. Really, they've had very few, if any, so. Um, we'll continue to play some at Chris Bauer audio. He had high, high praise for Josh Downs. We'll uh, toss a clip your way on that coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. It is the wake-up call. KB and Andy right here on 93.5-175 The Fan. All right, 9 o'clock hour. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. 
Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. We're hanging out with you, drivehuber.com studios. Again, you miss any of the show, go download it, 1075thefan.com. You can watch the replay on the YouTube stream and so much more. Thad Mata, Mike DeCourcy, a lot of Colts conversation as well. Uh, the guys, me, Mark, KB, what, Eddie Garrison, Jimmy Cook, bunch of uh, gas bags out at Adam Sandler last night. That was Kevin a lot James of fun. Kevin James making an appearance. Kevin James, old Rob Schneider was there as well. Uh, the gentleman that always does the cross eyed? Can I remember his name? I can't. What's his name? I can't I remember his name. Yeah, and he's in everything that Sandler does. Every Sandler as well, ever. which Literally is fantastic. Made a, what a six second cameo on stage. Got paid a lot that. of money. Yeah, he's like a producer or something. He brought him a tea or something. What like was that. the most frequent jersey you saw? Boucher yeah. or yeah, Gilmore, the hockey jersey. Oh boy, that's a good one. Yeah, I mean to me. I think Boucher. Oh, boy, sure. I think it was probably you saw Boucher. More of the Bobby Boucher. Yeah, I, mean, I saw a lot more hockey walking in, but it seemed like the more I was in the arena, uh, more Bobby Boucher action from quite last a few time. lunch ladies walking out <laughs> yeah. too, and Chris Farley <laughs> tributes. The Chris Farley tribute at the end is always fantastic. Was really yes. good. Yeah, it's always yeah. it's always mm-hmm. really really good. So uh, Sandler was fun uh, last night. Of course, the Pacers not uh, back in Gamebridge until Sunday. Been a fun show today. You know, we teased it, so we should get to it here. You know, Chris Ballard did a conversation, about twenty minute conversation or so with Colts.com. Uh, we'll continue to play that the Jonathan Taylor stuff. Obviously, he talked a lot about Anthony Richardson, the final seven games, what they could mean for the Colts. We did a lot of that conversation at 7.30. Another guy, high praise from Chris Ballard, was wide receiver Josh Downs. Downs immediately a plug-and-play rookie as a third-rounder. You don't always get that. Heck, a lot of times first-rounders aren't plug-and-play like Quinn Johnson. Remember that name from TCU? He did have a touchdown for the Chargers. He hasn't been plug-and-play at all in the NFL. Josh Downs has. Here's what Chris Ballard had to say about his wide receiver. We expect it. I don't. It didn't take long for us. I mean, he had great tape and great history in college. Okay, he produced in college, and then the first rookie minicamp, he was he was lights out. I mean, there was no doubt he was going to help us right away. I mean, I think the last player I, I'm not put him on this pedestal, but I remember when Tyreek Hill, when I was in Kansas City in his first minicamp, you kind of go, okay, we got something here. Same thing with Josh. I mean, he's not Tyreek. I mean, Tyreek's in a in a whole new whole different category of who he is as a player but Josh Downs is really really freaking good um, and is continuing to grow so everything he's doing we we expected we we had no question that that he was going to help us right from that from from that moment 
You know, uh, it's interesting that he brings up that rookie minicamp. I remember being out there and... I mean, he was just torching dudes on the field. And it, it's a little bit of like, all right, you know, some of these guys that he is beating, it's like there's some undrafted corners here. I mean, honestly, some tryout guys. But um, just a major credit to this staff for, you know, Reggie Wayne was a huge Josh Downs guy during the combine as well. And they felt like, you know, okay, it's time to get a little bit of a different body type in the wideout room. You know, they're so stringent on measurables. Josh Downs doesn't have those elite physical traits from a height standpoint, but that dude is still a damn good football player. He added something else, Ballard, on Downs that um, when he started to say it, I, I was kind of nodding my head like, that makes a lot of sense. He compared Downs instinctually to T.Y. Hilton. And again, that's very high praise in my mind. You know, again, Hilton and Downs are not gifted from a height standpoint at the receiver position. So they have to make up for that in some way. And instinctually, I think both of them um, have that unquestionably. I I think back to when Andrew Luck talked about T.Y. Hilton, and this was in reference to Frank Reich coming to Indianapolis. Andrew said kind of one of his first conversations with Frank about players on the team. He said about T.Y., he goes, there will be times you'll watch T.Y. run routes and you'll think, well, that's not exactly what we have on teach tape. Like That's not the, the most precise way to necessarily run it, but there is just an instinctual knack for getting open, and I know where he's going to be, and I think Josh Downs has already started to kind of create that. Whether it was Richardson back in rookie minicamp or it's been Gardner Minshew even, uh, again, Downs lit up the ACC. He's got so much NFL bloodlines in him. His dad playing in the league. His uncle's Dre Bly. You know things like that. Um, Josh Downs, just an unbelievable draft pick, and, and one that you know obviously is going to be a core guy for you moving forward. Have you? No, th- this is when you talk about draft grades and everything else. This is an A plus. I mean, Ballard can take a lot of heat on a lot of different things. I mean, I I happen to think Juju Brents is going to end up being a good player. Will he end up being a second round, you know, second round talent? We shall see. But I think you know you have to feel you have to feel pretty good that you feel like there's some upside. Anthony Richardson again, we'll see. But I think a lot of fans are excited, and then in you know round three, you're able to get Josh Downs. You know, if you're looking at it, KB, if you went. Have you went through and just looked at the other wide receivers that were taken before him? Like, have you done that exercise? I have not, no. Okay, well, while he was talking and while you were talking, I was just kind of, uh, you know, you know, Jackson Smith uh, in Jimba, he has, I know I butchered that name, he's been okay for Seattle, right? Battled some injuries, Yeah, he's right? battled some injuries. He's been okay. Again, he was a first-rounder. I mentioned Quinn Johnson. I mean, Quinn Johnson was very much a fourth wide receiver for the Chargers, and they have had so many injuries. You think of Mike Williams, and Allen has been banged. He's always banged up, but I mean, he's a great player. I mean, Quinn Johnson has had a very slow start to his NFL career. I mean, Zay Flowers has been good, right? I mean, Zay Flowers has oh, been yeah, what sure. Baltimore needed. Yeah. Um, Jordan I mean, Addison. Puka Nakua a little bit later. Yeah, I mean, Puka's been good. If you go to round two, so, you know, I would say the four guys taken around number one, two of them have really, really worked out. One of them's been okay, and Quinn Johnson has a long way to go. If you go to the second round, you know, just looking at the second round, uh, Jonathan Mingo, and again, I know that he's on a bad team. No touchdowns, just 23 catches on the season there in Carolina. Uh, if you if you just keep going, I mean, Jaden Reed, I would say Jaden Reed's been pretty good for the Packers. They're a bad team, but I think he's been okay. Rasheed Rice. 
uh, in, in Kansas City. I, I think he has a pretty good ceiling, but, you know, I mean, he's been okay. Right now, Marvin Mims. Does anyone know what Marvin Mims is doing for the Broncos? He has 11 catches on the season, and then you just go to round three. I, I mean, listen, I know this is an exercise. You just go to, you know, to round three. Uh, you know, Nat Dell was taken. Now, he's been very good. I mean, he's been very good, obviously. Jalen Hyatt. I had high hopes for with the Giants. He hasn't done much this season. Cedric Tillman, the other Tennessee wide receiver, uh, he has two catches for eight yards on the year. I guess the reason I bring it up is you can do this with any position, but the Colts, if you want to say they were lucky, if you want to say they were fortunate, a lot of wide receivers went, and Josh Downs is you know, you know, top two or three if you look at instant production this season, and he was great value. Yeah, fantastic and, value. And they also, you know, a lot of trust with like kind of option routes and things like that. That's not a given for a first year player either. Um, again, he did miss kind of a chunk of the spring period due to a knee injury. Um, and, you know, you go back to Sunday. I mean, how big was that play? You know, I, I probably put too much attention on it, Andy, of, okay, Josh Downs was limited on Sunday, really only played in kind of third down key situations. He makes the diving catch on that third down there late. I probably looked at it more for me. That's going to eat up a lot of clock. Like, like, like that's kind of how I view that catch of like, oh man, if they punt the ball away here, all of a sudden you're giving the ball back to New England and they've got a decent amount of time to play. Like clock management is not as much of a worry on that play. What I didn't put enough sort of attention to in that moment is if that ball falls incomplete there, they're punting from their own end zone. Mm hmm. Right. In that moment, you know, that was one where it was a third and five from your own 10 yard line. So, no matter what, Rigoberto Sanchez, oh, your putter's got, in the end he's zone, he's got feet in the right. end zone there. You're talking about ball midfield, 40, 45 yard line, depending to Bill Belichick put somebody back there to catch the ball or not, which right. you forgot to do. And again, if that ball falls incomplete, New England has all three of their timeouts, they get to save a timeout, it's, you know, two, whatever, 245, 250 to go in the game. And by all accounts, it's going to be some sort of a half field. Whereas, you make the catch, so then New England burns their first, second, and their third timeout. When they take over, it's less than two minutes to go. And when they took over, they were back in kind of the shadow of their own goal line. I think Bailey Zappi took over. I think it was like their 15 or 14 yard line there. So um, just such a massive play. And, you know, those are some of the things, Andy, of like, it's kind of NFL life. You're banged up all week. You barely practice. Do you trust a rookie to still perform? I didn't think he was going to play. They trusted him, and he delivered in the game one of the game's most critical well, moments. What they did, I mean, there was a little bit of a gamble there playing him, right? And the gamble worked out because you played him very little, and Downs in just a few snaps made his voice heard type of thing, right? Like, you got something out of him. You didn't run him out there and put him at risk, if you will, and not get anything from him. He made one of the big plays of the game. I didn't think he was going to play uh, until, I think it was a little bit before kickoff, you know, they put some sort of a graphic up, and it was Josh Downs was on the graphic, so I'm like, well, I guess he's going to play if you're going to make him the graphic. By the way, speaking of the Patriots, I mean, you've seen the stuff that Mac Jones is third string now, haven't you? I thought he was the first stringer yesterday in practice. Oh, well, uh, he's not playing, is he? I thought he was third stringer. 
I thought Isn't yesterday they, they did a bye week practice, which states where the Patriots are. They actually practiced during their bye week. The Colts did not. Uh, well, I, I thought I saw he was with the well, first unit. Well, there was a report uh, two days ago that he would be a third stringer going forward, and Gronk, in the last 24 hours, did you see what Gronk said? That no one respects Mac Jones in the locker room. <laughs> it's like, like, no offense, but that Patriots locker room isn't the locker room that he was a part of. Like, you know, I mean, Mac Jones stinks, but it's not like he's the only one that stinks I was in that locker room. He's still listed as the starter. Is on, he? On the I, you can't start him. You I can't start him. I was when I saw that he was the starter. No, you can't I'm like, do if it. you're going to bench him at that end of the game point, you might as well just go with Bailey Zappi here moving. I don't know. Maybe the fake spike <laughs> caused scar tissue for Bill Belichick and going to Bailey Zappi moving forward. Anything else Ballard related from that conversation stand out to you? Again, I kind of got a full rundown on the website. Uh, Chris Bauer joining the folks at Colts.com with their podcast. Uh, a little bit of the State of the Union on a variety of topics uh, related I mean, to the Colts season. I mean, not me. They're high on Anthony Richardson. What we talked about as well in the 730 segment was, you know, the next seven games, what that could mean. You know, they positioned themselves to play games here mid-late November into December. That absolutely means something. I am interested in the next seven games, how much that will propel the team for next year. If the Colts will be, you know, they can win eight games this season with the roster that they have. You know, a roster that's not going to be widely respected. You bring back Anthony Richardson. You do something in free agency. I think draft-wise was pretty good last year. I think, you know, hey, if Ballard can do it again, you make a splash there. If uh, if the Colts here in the final month and a half or so of the regular season can position themselves to be one of those teams that's propelled last year. But he likes Steichen. Uh, he likes Downs. He likes Anthony Richardson. Uh, I mean, Chris Ballard, I think, feels... I don't know if it, he, he didn't say he felt great. I mean, you're always obviously wanting to win more games and five and five ain't going to get you into the postseason. But I think Chris Ballard is feeling better today than he did before the season, perhaps when, you know, people were really dogging this team. You didn't know anything about Jonathan Taylor, but so much of this franchise, and you know this, KB, so much, so much of this franchise is going to come back to the health of Anthony Richardson, right? I mean, we can sit here and yell and scream about any player we can play. Josh Downsound, which is fantastic, but Anthony Richardson, his health, his maturation, uh, you know, I mean, that 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 is going to be what makes you a 10, 11, 12 win team, whether that's next year or the year after. Well, it's that's def- where it's going to be at. It's going to define the rest of the Ballard sure. era, you know, un- un- unquestionably. I mean, he he got a, whatever, second life, however you want to describe it, and being able to make that quarterback draft selection, and that's going to make or break what, however we view kind of the rest of this thing. And again, I think that is what is so far, most encouraging about the season is Shane Steichen has given you a jolt. I think he's given you a jolt with uh, how he carries himself, uh, demanding, accountable, things like that. Um, I think the offensive uh, freshness, for lack of a better term, is there with Shane as well. And again, Richardson provides real hope. Now, again, him staying healthy for 17 mm-hmm. games is such an unknown. So that is the major question mark that you do have. Um, one thing on Shane, I will say, he's been accountable. In a way, I think it's more through actions than public words. Like you watch him in press conferences, and like even as Shaq Leonard comments earlier in the week, um, to me in eight or nine seconds, it wasn't a very long clip. But I think in eight or nine seconds, what he said or maybe what he didn't say, Andy, all of a sudden to me says, "Okay, I just watched that Patriots game. 
you've preached some accountability with benching guys this season. In my opinion, Shaq Leonard should be benched. Right. Will he follow through on that? Right. Do you bench a $20 million guy? It's a little easier to bench Deion Jackson. Uh, it's a yeah. little easier to bench Daryl Baker Jr. In my opinion, the Shaq Leonard we've seen, the playing time should decrease. Do we see that after the bye? That is a, you know, that's that's on another level of a coaching move. But that is something. I'll try to dig up that that Steichen audio. Mark, if you can find that from Monday, Steichen on Leonard. Again, it's not a very long clip. No, it's literally like seven seconds. But he was basically asked listening. about the Patriots' performance from Shaq and his comments, you know, because he's obviously been public. And to me, Shane could cop out and he could say, you know, I'll, I'll let Gus Bradley, you know, maybe handle a little bit of that. But there are plenty of teams in the NFL, Andy, that don't rotate at linebacker. The Colts have been one. You know, in years past, it's been, oh yeah, Shaq and Bobby Okereke will play every snap, and Zaire Franklin never really saw the field. So you could say, Zaire and EJ Speed, you guys take all those reps. In my opinion, the play indicates that's what should happen. Uh, that'll be something to watch, I think, after, after Yeah, the I mean, week. we both think EJ Speed should get more run. You know, like, to me, you know, I follow, let me, people are not going to know this name, but when I was back in Louisville, I follow a coach uh, who I don't have too much respect for, to be quite honest. Uh, his name was Scott Satterfield. You guys have no idea who this was, but he took over for Bobby Petrino. He's down okay? in Cincinnati, right? Uh, he is. He's doing poorly, and that's not surprising at all. He'll stay there for two or three years, reset the shot clock, and go make $3 million somewhere else. But with him... His first year, KB, was love him up. His first year was you guys had to deal with the biggest AH in in football in Bobby Petrino. And all he did was come in and not be Bobby Petrino and not have the personality or lack thereof. And some of the, I mean, Bobby was very much away from the team. Guys didn't know where his office was and that sort of thing. And so that was the first act. I remember being on the air and I was like, okay, the first act of, a, of this coach was to make everyone feel better and that resulted in I do feel a couple more wins right guys it wasn't a toxic atmosphere it was very much a group to me Shane Steichen his first act has been to get buy-in and to get a level of accountability and sure to install his system and of course offensively it's difficult to do that when you go with Anthony Richardson and then he doesn't play and he's injured and you have to go to Gardner Minshew who can't run okay and you're gonna have a running attack and a running quarterback and kind of be able to do those things and then you're left with Gardner Minshew uh, and he, he obviously has different strengths and weaknesses of Anthony Richardson but the first act so far so good for Shane Steichen and I think if you're a Colts fan that's the thing that that sticks out is the first thing he had to do was clean some things up provide some hope provide some competency especially at the quarterback and the offense and get the buy-in and he's done that now the question will be you know whether it's later this year whether in for sure next year and going forward well what's the next act and so Scott Satterfield to use him as a bad example he didn't have one 
He yeah. didn't have one. It was, I'm going to make everyone feel better about themselves. And then it became, okay, n- now it's time to go win games. Now what's the kind of the second act that you may have? He did not have one. Uh, and I think if you're a Colts fan today, you look at that buy-in, you look at the first act of Shane Steichen, you're not having to rationalize your head coach. You feel like your head coach is one of the better head coaches that you've had in a little while. And you think he's one of the smarter guys in the NFL. Well, and he fits what you needed. Like, what you needed at the time was a different communicator, a different message, more modern, the heavy quarterback background. Like, that's what you need. You know, you didn't need Tony Dungy, per se, as you were going from Mora to to Dungy. You needed a a bit of a facelift, and I think that has resonated with those guys, whether, you know, their actions say that or their words as well. Again, here was Shane Steichen earlier in the week. This was asked about Shaquille Leonard's performance against the Patriots and Shaq's comments about the lack of a role. He played hard. You know, I got a ton of respect for Shaq. And like I said, you know, each week we work through that with him, that process uh, with the playing time. Uh, but I got a ton of respect for him. <laughs> Anytime the coach starts off with, I thought he played hard and he ends with, I've got a lot of respect yeah. for him. That means what I saw on tape didn't really satisfy yeah. me. That's she has a great personality. That is. That's the football version of she has a great personality. And, you know, Shane has taken much more of a private conversations will not be aired publicly. Like right. he has fully endorsed that. You know, Sha- Shaquille Leonard is not taking that approach. Well, if Leonard gets benched, he's going to ch- I mean his tune's going to be venom, is it not? With this. If he's benched? Oh yeah, certainly. I mean, he's going to provide sound on Thursday if he gets benched. I mean, if he goes out there and plays I mean, again, he's I, this is my opinion on it. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but if you're going to preach the accountability, to me, I don't know how you watch what you saw against New England right. and you continue to play him at that amount. A little bit bigger picture question. I did look up earlier in the week, Andy, just, okay, all right, moving forward, where are you at with Shaq with this contract? You know, do you bring him back, et cetera, et cetera? Again, he's under contract for a couple more seasons. He makes $20 million a year. If you look at kind of the inside linebackers that make uh, double-digit annually, double-digit million annually, so north of 10, um, basically there's five of them, Roquan Smith, Shaq Leonard, Fred Warner, uh, Tremaine Edmonds, fellow draft class with Shaq, and then C.J. Mosley with the Jets. And I wanted to boil it down to those splash plays because a big reason why those respective dudes make the amount of money they do is because of the splash plays. You don't pay a guy $20 million because he gets 100 tackle seasons. you, you got to do more than that. Shaq has two sp- splash plays the entire season. Two. Uh, if you looked at just the average of the other four, uh, I added up about 13 for the other four. Yeah, th- those other names are guys that are having great seasons or good, at least good seasons. Yeah, Fred Warner being the class se- yeah, of that group. Productive seasons. But again, if you just took the average, you're north of a dozen, and with Shaq, it's at two. So you know that's a storyline post by the big picture storyline, and this is kind of I think where you're going with the previous comment, Andy, of you know Scott Satterfield and the next step. I think the next step for the Colts, and maybe it's not even this season. But the next step is, how do you handle a little bit of success? You know, when the Colts have had some win streaks, even in the Frank Reich era, I think they've had trouble, like, turning that into, which, again, this is hard, but it's the next step as a team, turning that into four in a row, or four of five, or five of six, Mm -hmm. and starting to build on that. And the expectation is, you should win this game, and then you do win that game. I think what could benefit the Colts coming out of the bye is, they've won two in a row, 
but I think the fact that they didn't play good football and the bye week has been in there as well. Right. I don't think they'll be like having all these pats on the back when I they totally get, agree. When they return from their bye week on Monday. They had that with the Rams. We felt right. that in the first half with the Rams game, for sure. Right. But again, I think leaving Baltimore and the nature of that win, the road win, all the celebration that comes from that, I don't like you didn't have Jim Irsay dancing to Meek Mill after the New England game. <laughs> Is that what, what you call the dancing? Is that what it was? I, I don't know what other. It's his portrayal. I would use of, to describe uh, that. Well, this needs to be a, a thing now. If they win against Tampa, he's gotta he's gotta go down there into the locker room and dance. If nothing else, it would be the, yeah. the second win in the last two years in Lucas I don't Oil. Know if Shane wants to hold that hand anymore. <laughs> well, someone's gotta hold the hand. Well, get Gus Bradley and we're, someone's holding the hand. Whoever gets the you game understand? ball has to hold the hand. How about we? That do is that? an understatement. Uh, pop the quiz. We're one. giving away a pair of tickets to see Toto coming up here in about. Uh, <laughs> What, about five minutes? That is down at the Brown County Music Center coming up. That's in late February, right, Mark? Yes, February 24th. Uh, So we will do that all week long here on the Pop Quiz. Uh, One thing before we get to a check down. I did look it up. Here's where I saw it. Tom Curran of NBC Sports Boston, a longtime Patriots guy. He was on the Rich Eisen show, and he said, quote, Mac Jones is going to almost certainly sit. I think he'll probably drop be dropped down to third. You're going to elevate Will Greer, and you're going to elevate the player that took the final snaps the other day, Bailey Zappi. So that's where I got my info. So if Mac Jones ends up being the starter on Sunday or whenever they play, I guess they're on the bye week too, right? Yeah, Blame thought- Tom Curran, not me. I thought the reports from practice yesterday were that Mac Jones took first team reps, but I mean, whether it's element of who cares, whether it's Bailey Zappi, Mac Jones, or Will Greer, that's a sad, sad state of affairs. Awful quarterback. (laughs) Such rejoice for Colts fans to see the Patriots. It's really bad misery. Uh, Let's morning check down. The morning check down. On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Yeah, it's a big one in the AFC North. Finally, a good Thursday night football game. They're on Amazon, 8.15 kickoff. Uh, 8.15 kickoff, I should say. Baltimore favored by a three and a half. It's Bengals-Ravens tonight. Lamar Jackson knows it's a big game. Every game for us is a must-win for us. You know, um, not just because it's in a division game, um, but we, we definitely, I, I believe our team is definitely a lot hungrier just from what happened Sunday in a division loss in a close game. We definitely hungry as well. Again, big game. Uh, the Ravens need to lock, they want to lock up the division. The Bengals trying to make the playoffs. And uh, we debated earlier, if you're a Colts fan, who do you want to see You know, win the game, quite frankly? Uh, you were a little bit more on the Baltimore side. I was a little bit more on uh, the no, Cincinnati side. I think you want Baltimore side. to lose. Yeah, okay. I think you want gotcha. Baltimore in the wild And I'm a Bengals lose picture. and get them down to 5-5. Five and five. You can move them past them, but whatever. A lot of it, I think, comes out of, again, tiebreaker-wise. And, and, you know, the safer bet is probably Baltimore to win the division. But, you know, the fact that you don't have the tiebreaker over a team like Cleveland, I would think you would want them to win or run away with it and get the division. I don't know if that's possible. Uh, but uh, no matter what, it'll be some help for the Colts tonight. Again, that is an 8-15-er on Amazon. Uh, also tonight in Bloomington, our coverage over on WIBC, 7 o'clock tip from Bloomington, Indiana, and Wright State. Wright State picked to finish third in the Horizon League. They are 0-2 on the year. Just a 9.5-point spread 
in this one. This kicks some ass. <laughs> uh, well, that I guess is a question mark when you look at a single-digit I mean, spread in this one. I mean, Baco's got to do something, right? right? Isn't he the story here? Obviously, a lot of things you can point to. I, I think it is still... Honestly, just overall, offensively, how you look, and then defensively, uh, handling rotations. And, I mean, Army got so many clean looks from behind the arc. But, yes, individually, the fact that McKenzie and Baco has been benched in each of these couple second halves, uh, not the start that you would hope for at all. I mean, to me, I, I don't want to put it like a number. Like, he could he could affect the game and only score eight points, and he could grab a bunch of rebounds, pass the ball, play, play great defense. But, I, I mean, they've got a zero from him. <laughs> he has right? six points in two games. I mean, right? yeah. I mean, they've got they've got almost nothing from him. They've had to go small with Gabe Cubs, which I don't have a problem with. You can move Xavier Johnson off the ball a little bit more. I don't have a problem with that. But eventually, teams are going to know. Hey, that's what that's what the Hoosiers are going to do in the second half if Mbako doesn't show up. And again, you start to get in the slippery slope with him, Andy. Of if it doesn't go well tonight, the bench naturally shortens against UConn. Now that's a little bit more national. There's more eyes on that. This is not a kid that was committed to you for three years. Like it's not like you. Obviously, you had a good relationship with him, but it's not like you've had this unwavering trust, and he's always been there. It was a last minute kind of. Hey, where is he going to get playing time, and where is he going to get the biggest nil? Some of that stuff, I think, can start to seep and boil a little bit here. So, uh, individually, certainly an important night for him. Um, elsewhere, I guess college football for this weekend. Uh, not a great slate of games at all. You've got Purdue at Northwestern, a slight favorite in that one for the Boilers. Indiana, a slight favorite over Michigan State. Uh, Indiana and Purdue, neither of them are winning six games. You've got Monon, uh, the Monon Bell. Uh, speaking of the Monon Bell, love to Paul coach Brett Dietz to round out the show today. Uh, but the Old Oak and Bucket game coming up a week from Saturday. Uh, anything else on your end? Draymond Green. Yeah, that's it. Draymond suspended. Green, the five-game suspension, and it could have been 7, 8, 10, and I think that would have been fine as well. I mean, he's paid like $2 million in fines over his career. Uh, five-game suspension. There is also a theory. I was trying to find it. I sent it, but the link won't open. There is a theory out there that whenever Steph Curry doesn't play, that Draymond Green doesn't want to play. And maybe that was what happened the other night. So I'm gonna I'm gonna look those up. The well, numbers that was quite the, the last couple of years. He went to to say I'm yes, not gonna play to get fined you know, hundreds of thousands of yeah, five games, yeah hundreds actually. of thousands of dollars, five game suspension. And like you mentioned, KB, you got to think that's good for Trace Jackson Davis to get some run here early in the season. You would think. Any interest in the F1 race in Vegas? By the way, coming up, uh, I'd be this inter- weekend. I'm I'm in- I'd be interested in going. I wouldn't be interested in who won. I mean, it's the same two or three guys, right? right. Basically, well, I don't, I don't or maybe the same guy. I, I, yeah, I don't assume. Would you want to go? I don't assume you're watching F1 to watch like great competitor drama. <laughs> like it's pretty I, much uh, a given weekend. Week. I had out. a buddy go to the Miami one. I would like to see the spectacle of it. Yeah, Did you see the start time is one a.m. I, listen, I have a buddy. Time. I have a buddy who wakes up for these things. Like he he goes to the like he doesn't matter where they race. He will wake up and watch F one. And then I had another buddy who went to the Miami one. And like I guess his father in law like paid for it. He has a good chunk of change. Jeez. And they had good seats. And the amount of money they spent was I mean it was tens of thousands of dollars. I was reading something that. yesterday that the uh, economic impact for the Vegas F one wow. race one point seven uh, million. That is two to three times more than the Super Bowl, uh, really for this year. I mean, that's going to be a bleep show, right? In Vegas. Well, and they're the also saying who? that they totally um, misjudged the weather for the uh, one a.m. start time. 
Like, it's going to be one of the coldest F1 races of all time. Oh, sorry, one point. Uh, It'd be billion, 1. right? 1.7 billion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm, trying, I'm trying to see what tickets are right now. If, if me and you wanted to go, uh, the lowest ticket to get in, this is section PG1, uh, row 27. Again, you're not seeing PG1, very much. PG1, that sounds like a show you could get out in Vegas. $1,600 if you wanted to go. Sixteen hundred dollars. Yeah, can't say. I, I I will like enjoy the highlight or two on yeah. you know social media. And again, F one has done a great job with that. But uh, yeah, that uh, ticket price absolutely. Now if you outrageous. now if you want to spend like twenty two hundred, you can get a little bit of a better seat, but you get unlimited food and uh, beer and wine and liquor if you want to spend a, a couple hundred more dollars, which you got to think that would be the way to go. I mean, if you're going to spend two grand, you might as well spend 2300 and just get the un- unlimited beer, wine, and liquor. What are you yeah, doing? Well, I'm always nervous when you upgrade any sort of ticket package in Vegas and what that could mean well, to your future health. Boy, I, I tell you, that's going to be a show. Forward. That is going to be a show over the weekend. Pop quiz, Toto tickets. We're doing that next, 317-239-10. Raise a spoon to Grandma who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. 70. All right, pop quiz time. Uh, Will we do better than yesterday, do you think? Will it be a better or worse segment than yesterday, KB? That's what I asked you. Brittany was solid. Yeah, I hope everything's going well for Brittany and that you know maybe she's found a job or well on her way to that. That was a that was not in the radio one on one handbook on how to handle guests. She did get what three out of five. So so now we're using your questions, right? Yes, some of them. Mark has jumbled together. Yeah, some of uh, them. Of mine. Um, okay, I'm honestly, just seeing the now, email now. Let's go. I'm I think ready. All of us have contributed to this one. Uh, give us a number one through five as we give away another pair of tickets to see Toto at the Brown County Music Center. Uh, I'm going to go with number three if that's okay with you guys. Caller number three. All right. Three. He, he didn't give a name, but he he identified as Purdue Dad. Purdue Dad, you're on the air. It's actually Purdue Dad slash USI. Oh. Okay, so we've got a kid in West Lafayette and one at Southern Indiana as well? Actually, the Purdue is a microbiologist now, and oh. the USI graduate has just got her MBA. So Look at, their mom Look is at really- you. Look at this. That's a proud dad right there. Is that the yeah. USI Screaming Eagles? Is that correct on the nickname? Yeah, and they make fun of it because the billboards say Screagle Eagles. It's hilarious. So, <laughs> but yeah, it's a beautiful campus. They've just built a brand new basketball uh, facility down there. So, yeah, it's great. Do you have Do you have Purdue Dad as a sticker on your car or any other, uh, you know, USI Dad? Do you, any of those stickers on your car? Yes, I have both, and I actually had uh, have the USI one made at a sticker place online because you couldn't find the University of Southern Indiana. I still have both t-shirts as well now what was your favorite go-to spot when you visited the future microbiologist in west lafayette 
Um, oh, man. Well, my son marched uh, all four years at Purdue during the hazelnut years. So we always had to go drink after. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Drink after, Fair drink enough. during, drink before during the Hazel era. Jeez. Right. Actually, my wife went to Purdue back in the late 80s uh, for a short time. So we always would hit triple X, you know, always sure. had to go there first. Um, the, the, the chocolate, Harry's Chocolate Shop was always way too crowded, so... Now we just go to Jimmy John's. Well, I guess, you know, if you can't find Jimmy John's, you'll find it in some city. So. They're freaky fast. Did you Why not? Uh, Purdue Dad, do you have a first name we could go with? I don't want to disrespect Southern Indiana. It's just a lot to get all that out. Uh, we'll go with Matthew. Okay, all right. Uh, Matthew is joining us here. Andy, you want me to lead off with yeah, this you, one? Yeah, you can go ahead and lead off. All right, Matthew, we played the audio earlier. What a career it was for Daniel Tice with the Indiana Pacers. You could call him a Pacers legend. He was bought out by the team yesterday. Back in the summer, Tice won a gold medal at the World Cup in the Philippines. With what country did he win that World Cup? Serbia, Australia, Canada, or Germany? Uh, Germany. Good start. Uh, microbiology for Matthew. You better now. believe it. All right, question number two. IU plays Wright State tonight. What NFL team nickname does Wright State have? Are they the Titans, Raiders, Vikings, or Seahawks? Uh, uh, give me those again. Uh, Titans, Raiders, Vikings, Seahawks. We'll go with Raiders. You say Raiders? Yeah. All right, number three here, Matthew. Garrett Cole won the AL Cy Young Award yesterday, the first of his career, and the first Yankee to win since who? Tanaka? David Cohn? I wasn't going to go with Tanaka's first name. I Masahiro, sorry. Masahiro. Sorry, I do that as well. Not Masahiro. Your hero, my hero. Masahiro <laughs> Tanaka, David Cohn, Roger Clemens, or Mike Mussina? Whitey Ford. Um, it's a great Greg Straw appearance here. He had to love the USI drop there. Masasira. Are you sure on that one? There was a reason why I didn't give his first name. Uh, well, we always go with C then, the third one. Okay, Roger okay. Clemens there. All right. He must have some data. You always go with C. Wasn't that like on a Scantron sure. where the answer was more B or C than, uh, than anything He's else? Got bright children here. <laughs> I Matthew's like it. He's not an idiot. All right, uh, Purdue Dad. Question number four. LeBron James racked up 28 points, 12 assists, 10 rebounds. It's a triple-double last night in the Lakers. 125-110 loss to the Kings. Now at 38 years old, James is the second oldest player to ever record a triple-double in NBA history. Who is the oldest player to record a triple-double? Triple double in NBA history. Is it Ray Allen? Is it Carl Malone? Vince Carter or Kareem Abdul Jabbar? Yeah, uh, Kareem was my first thought. Your phone? Uh, Kareem, is that he said, Matthew? Yeah, that was my first thought. All right. We'll close it out with this one. Today is my wonderful mother, Colleen Donahue Bowen's birthday. I won't say the number on it. She'd probably <laughs> literally climb up to this floor and reprimand me. But nonetheless, an amazing mother, an amazing grandmother as well. Uh, what Indiana college did Colleen Bowen attend? And my hint for this, because I don't know, you know, we haven't named her college, to be fair, with your Purdue uh, and, and uh, USI references here. I'll say this. This Indiana college is coming off of back-to-back midweek football games. Ooh. Ooh. 
Boy, I thought that was an easy clue. Um, Probably not known as an elite football program. Uh, Georgia. <laughs> no, no. Well, I would call Georgia elite. Uh, in the state of Indiana, Matthew. Oh, uh, Indiana State. Oh, it's a good guess. It's a good guess. Georgia hasn't lost a game in three years. <laughs> Boy, the definition of elite Sorry. might be a little different there. I don't. Does USI have a rich ninety guys in the program NFL. here? Is there oh, a Georgia yeah. Indiana? There might be. Uh, Matthew, good effort there. Uh, early on, especially got Germany right for Daniel Tice. Uh, see, uh, Correcto. Uh, right State are the Raiders. The Raiders. And Roger Clemens for C, correct? Yeah, 2001. Yeah. So congratulations to Garrett Cole, who uh, gets to opt out of his deal, I think, after next year if he wants and get away from that losing franchise. The slip-ups <laughs> occurred on four and five. It was not Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. The correct answer, Andy, for Carl four. Malone. At I didn't, 40 years old. Wow. I would, not, I would not have got that. So he did that with the Lakers, right? In 03, yeah. 2003, the mailman. Wow. Colleen Bowen, the pride of Ball State, baby. Chirp, chirp for the Fighting Cardinals. There, Midweek football games, I thought that would give it away. Well, I mean, yeah. Action? I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe yeah. that's only for the degenerates I mean, no one's, yeah, no one's paying it. You know what it is? No one's paying attention to Ball State, I hate to tell you. It is what it is. Well, happy birthday to your mom. Thank there you. There you go. Thank you guys you. doing anything? This uh, weekend got or anything okay. for this weekend. Yeah, oh, yeah, well, yeah. good for you guys. Yeah, yeah, Should be a nice weekend. Looking forward to that and... On the other side, speaking of football here in the state of Indiana, the DePaul Tigers, they've had a great season and a hell of a win in the Monon Bell game over the weekend. Their head coach, Brett Dietz, he joins us to round out the show. All right, back at it, last segment of the show. Reminder, coming up, uh, yeah, noon, you have uh, our guy, Jake Query. He's got you, Query and Company, JMV at 3 o'clock. You miss any of our show, you can find the podcast, 1075thefan.com. Go ahead and download that free app as well and take the fan wherever you may go. Appreciate uh, Mike DeCourcy joining us, head coach of Butler, Thad Mata joining us as well. We we keep things going here on the final segment of the show. We go back on out to the payload. Last Liquors Hotline, DePaul's head coach uh, on the football side. Brett Dietz joins the show. Coach, good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing fantastic. How about you guys? Uh, we're doing good, and we are sure you're doing fantastic. You know, I'm new to the area, so I haven't been to uh, a Monon Bell game yet. Cannot wait to get out to one of those. And boy, uh, that scene <laughs> last weekend was fantastic. Uh, what is going through your mind as a coach, and can you explain kind of the emotion around that game, and then the game goes to overtime, and you guys win on a walk-off? Yeah, well, you, I can't even sit here and describe to you all the, the emotion that goes into it because it's 129 years of, of history between our two schools. So um, we have a huge fan base um, of mainly made up of family, friends, and alums um, that you're passionate about one side or the other. And so that what makes the rivalry so fantastic is, you know, we don't play in front of um, a, a huge crowd every game. And then that last game of the season just – you know, there's 10,000 people there and people watching it across the country on, on TV and stuff. So um, every school knows it's a huge game every year. It's something we always look for. It's always the last game of the season, so it's huge. And so, um, you know, I'm trying as a head football coach to get my guys to play our best in the biggest games. And this is was not only for the Monon Bell, but was also for the conference championship and the right to go to the NCAA playoffs. So um, there was a lot on the line and um, the game was just very emotional, um, back and forth. Um, a lot of crazy plays that happen that don't happen throughout the course of the year. But um, DePaul hadn't played an overtime game since 2009. 
wow. and we had two in our last three games this year. So, um, but our kids played fantastic, especially down the stretch. Um, never gave up. That's kind of our big motto. DePaul never quits, and uh, to pull it out in double overtime after a blocked field goal. Um, to score that touchdown was just pure joy. Uh, and I'm surprised this that the, the Monon Bell game hasn't went to overtime before, right? I mean, that's crazy to think about. It is crazy. Overtime's not that old. In football, there's been eight ties in, DePaul, in uh, the Monon Bell history, but, you know, playoffs are, are a little bit, what, maybe 80s or so. Um, but, yeah, it is crazy that it's never gone into overtime, and this is the first one. And Went into double overtime, so we were glad to be on the winning end of history there. All right, Coach, I know obviously you got a big one coming up this weekend as you head into the playoffs, but I do want to get one more Monon Bell-related. Um, again, Brett Dietz with us, the DePaul head coach, after they have gone an undefeated season and they will be in the D3 playoffs coming up on Saturday. Uh, walk us through the block kick. Walk us through the game winner, because I, I, I'm watching both those plays, and I'm literally jaw on the floor thinking, oh my gosh, is this happening right now for you guys to block the kick and then have the walk-off so emotions play calls what are your memories about those two iconic plays yeah I think I'm going to back it up a couple plays before that when we uh you know an offense we're in the first overtime we're on our second offensive play and you know our, the snap just kind of hits our tight end you know it wasn't a fumble snap by the quarterback it just you know our tight ends coming across to make the play and it hits him that's never happened before um in all of my coaching that the, the snap has hit the tight end coming across on that play so I just thought, man, I can't believe that's how we're going to lose this football game. But our defense never gave up. And so they had a, a pretty decent little field goal there. And, and uh, you know, our defense on the sideline in, in the middle of the, the timeout there kind of drew up a different block. And so our team captain, um, you know, one of our best defensive players, actually our deep best defensive player this year, Ethan Lowry just went right through the middle and just got his hand up and by the grace of God, knocked it down. So it was a little bit of a high snap, uh, you know, so it wasn't a, a super high kick, but we had our hand in the right place. And that just gave our team so much more energy and fuel. Um, they were dejected on their sidelines. So um, I, I was confident with us going on defense in the next overtime period, it was going to be good. And then our defense did a great job, held them to a field goal. And then so we knew, you know, a touchdown uh, wins it. And so, um, you know, we kind of got it down to the 12-yard line. That's a play we've worked on. Uh, really for two years and we haven't run it in a game and we had seen early on film it worked actually Butler ran it um, against Wabash and it worked and we decided it was time to to break it out and actually didn't go according to plan they played a different defense than we thought they were going to play but um, our tight end did a great job actually the same guy that the the snap hit him and caused the fumble is the guy that caught the winning touchdown Hmm. so I just thought that was poetic justice Um, just an awesome opportunity for that kid to redeem himself and, uh, you know, the second he crossed the end zone, I think everybody just went crazy. Um, and then that's where you see the rush of the field. And there's nothing like that. There's nothing like um, a walk-off um, touchdown like that. And uh, uh, certainly a Monon Bell we will never, ever, ever forget. Yeah, memories for a lifetime would be an understatement there. Again, Brett Dietz, head coach of the DePaul Tigers, undefeated. Alma, they've got coming up here uh, tomorrow, or excuse me, Saturday in the D3 playoffs. You know, I, I feel like when you get some of these small schools, and there's been a variety of small schools around the state of Indiana that have had success. I think you played at Hanover. Um, what... Maybe like what is a misconception about Division three football that maybe the common I only watch Division one football fan or only pay attention to that wouldn't realize about that level. I, I think you know for us in Division three, um, even there was even a movie about Division three athletics, right? Um, kind of poking fun at it. But for us, I mean, our guys put in just as many hours as the Division one guys. 
Um, it means just as much to our guys as it does the Division One guys, and our guys aren't playing for a scholarship, so they're they're playing, um, you know, really because they love a game of football. So I really really like that aspect of it. And uh, there's some really good football and some really good football players, you know, at our level. It, it's all relative, um, so it's it's still really good football, really good football games. And I think that's something that that I love the Division Three. I mean, everybody's here, you know, to get their degree uh, to continue playing the game they love, but also to go off and get a great job. And you can go to a, a Wabash, a DePaul, a Hanover College and get great, phenomenal jobs coming out of school. So um, I think that's the, the biggest misconception about um, D3 athletics. All right, Saturday noon, Coach, uh, against Alma. What do we know about them? Give us a preview of that one, if you don't mind. Yeah, Alma has taken kind of a, a big leap, just like DePaul has. You know, DePaul here, we've we've won three straight conference championships um, since the pandemic, we've gone to three straight um, national playoffs, and Alma's done the same thing. They were undefeated last year. Um, they were 11 and 0, before they got knocked off uh, by a really, really top 10 football team. Um, and we've gone 10 and 0, and they're 10 and 0. So um, we we got snubbed a little bit having to go on the road after going 10 and 0, but it is what it is. So they're a really good football team. In fact, their quarterback is a Bishop Chatard, um graduate. So. Uh, Carter St. John, who's a sophomore there, will be their starting quarterback. And Nate McCahill from Cathedral is our starting quarterback. So it'll be another Indianapolis quarterback <laughs> battle um, up there in the center of Michigan. But they're they're very old on defense. Um, they got a very experienced defense. They're younger on offense in the skill spots. Uh, but they're very, very explosive. So we'll have our hands full for sure. Well, as a Cathedral grad who married a Chatard grad, I think you and I coach are on the same side of this one, and that, let's <laughs> yep. hope the Irish can pull this one out. All right, last one. Um, when you were at Hanover, you played, if I'm not mistaken, several sports. Golf would be one of those. A little, bir- I'm a big golfer. A little birdie told me that uh, you, you might be fond of tinkering with putters. How many putters no. uh, are in the uh, basement man cave garage of Brett Dietz? Well, I, I'll, I'll say this. A couple Christmases ago, I couldn't decide on which putter to get, so I bought two of them in the same thing. So uh, I think I got four putters down there. Um, but I love golf. Golf's been my passion. I was how do you pick one? Who is behaving the most, or how do you go about that? Because I, I used to tinker with putters, and boy, it's probably a reason why I got a hair procedure last week. <laughs> you just, whatever feels hot that day is what you go with. Whatever looks right to your eyes is what I go with, so... Well, hopefully, I'm certainly in between two right now. <laughs> well, hopefully, golf will be on the back burner for you here for a couple more weeks, and you guys can continue this magical run this season. Congrats on last Saturday! I'm sure the emotions were endless, and uh, good luck as you guys head up to Michigan to take on Alma. I appreciate it. Thanks for all your support. And that is Coach Brett Dietz right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. How about that local connection? I had no idea. Alma, uh, good stuff. Carter St. John. How do you, do you, how do you tinker with a putter? That, maybe we'll have to do that. Well, tomorrow. I would say you, you, tinker. you tinker with the decisions okay. on which putter you're okay. going to go with. He goes by a gut feeling, which I appreciate. Well, I don't think there's a lot of whole rationale well. behind it. <laughs> yeah, which one looks extra you know, uh, nice to you as you head out uh, into the garage? Uh, where are you going tonight? You going Ravens? You going Bengals? Uh, boo, 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 boo. I'm gonna go Bengals. Give me Bengals. Same money line or cover three and uh, a half, money right? line. Money line. Okay, huh. that is eight fifteen tonight. Let's go. In Indiana and Wright State. That'll be over on our sister station WIBC. We'll recap all of it. Set you up for a little bye weekend for the Colts. Thanks everybody for tuning in. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. 
Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.